0: 603 that's 603 you can join us online of course anytime you want over at freetalklive.com and uh, we were supposed to have Mark joining us tonight but I guess there were some kind of technical issues uh, over at wherever the hell it is that he is, he doesn't like to say uh, where it is that he's de- uh, where he's staying these days so uh, we're, we're connected to where he should show up so he may pop in at some point uh, but with you tonight it is Ian
1: and Bonnie
0: so there's some pretty big uh, I guess like almost bombshell level news coming out regarding COVID over this weekend not that it will surprise anyone
1: I was gonna say that bombshell but something that everyone already knew
0: something that everyone that was skeptical uh, you know skeptical towards the government's official story certainly already believed and that is that the even the government now is saying that it looks like covid came from a lab now they're not saying which lab they're not saying it was their lab in wuhan but uh, apparently they are saying that it probably came from a lab we could talk about that coming up here uh, but reason.com has a really interesting story that the Supreme Court is now saying that, and I guess they've been saying it, but they're saying it again, uh, that domestic spying is too secret to be challenged in court.
1: What? Their own spying on us? Correct.
0: Yep. That's right. That's what they're saying here. of government. This is from J.D. Taseel at Reason. of uh, government behavior has again been found too sensitive to national security to face legal challenges in the court system. Last week, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to review a lower court's dismissal of the Wikimedia Foundation's lawsuit against the NSA surveillance program revealed a decade ago by Edward Snowden. With the state secrets privilege barring litigation, that leaves upcoming congressional debates over renewal of the law authorizing the program as the only recourse for civil liberties advocates. So the Wikimedia announced on February 21st, quote, the U.S. Supreme Court denied the Wikimedia Foundation's petition for review of its legal challenge to the NSA's upstream surveillance program.
1: Sorry, it doesn't matter if it's legal what we're doing because we can't have you finding out what we're doing.
0: Correct. We can't even allow a court hearing to talk about what is going on, to challenge in any way what these people are doing. Under this program, they say, the NSA systematically searches the content of internet traffic entering and leaving the United States, including Americans' private emails, messages, and web communications. The Supreme Court's denial leaves in place a divided ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, which dismissed Wikimedia's case based on the government's assertion of the so-called state secrets privilege. So this is once again the federal government telling you that there is no accountability, that they can do whatever they want to do, and that you have absolutely no recourse through the courts, because normally they say, "Oh well, you just tell, tell it to the judge." You know, take your oh yeah, take it to, to the court. Judge. You, know, you can't do that uh, with this particular issue. You and, don't
1: like what they're doing? Just take it to court.
0: And anything else that would uh, be labeled state secrets. So, I mean, that could uh, certainly that's anything related to the CIA. It sounds it's,
1: a lot like police. Uh, what is it? Police? Not investigations. Police activities are going on over here.
0: And so, uh, you know, this is—I guess people probably shouldn't be surprised about this if they've been paying attention to how the federal government behaves. But there's probably some people in our audience out there that thought that the court system was some sort of way that they were able to get, you know, justice, uh, to, to hold government bureaucracies accountable for well, breaking their own rules. of course it is. It's,
1: it's called the justice system.
0: That's what they say. But it's also the just us system, according to some. And so— You know, this is frustrating, I think, for for people out there. And I think it should be another point that people need to consider when they start thinking about secession, because you're not going to get Congress to do anything about this. Okay, it's been a decade now since Edward Snowden revealed it was it was 2013, Hmm. uh, the summer of 2013. That's when Edward Snowden revealed the NSA spying, which, of course, a lot of us knew was going on anyway, but he made it official. We knew for a fact he had the receipts, you know, he had the documents, he had the, uh, the evidence of it. And it's a decade later. So the idea that all of a sudden Congress is going to step in and stop the NSA from doing what it is that they've been doing for however many, you know, decade plus long years that it's been going on is absolutely absurd. Congress is not going to hold the NSA accountable. Congress authorized the NSA. Congress created, you know, the Department of Defense. They created Homeland uh, Security. The idea, you know, that any of these so-called small government Republican types are going to go in there and actually remove the FBI or remove the NSA is pure fantasy. I
1: haven't seen any bills to remove the NSA anyway.
0: Well, I mean, not that we are paying attention to the federal government's bills. I'm sure there's hundreds of, of those, so... But no, I mean, you would, think, you would think that we would hear about that. You would think that if some representative were to actually propose that, they would be excoriated in the mainstream media. Well, we know the NSA is doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, but we can't get we rid of We need them
1: for safety.
0: Right, yeah, we got to keep uh, the United States safe from all the terrorists. It and- doesn't
1: matter how many times a murderer... Uh, murder somebody and then it's found out that the FBI and NSA and everybody was watching them for months and months and knew this and this and this and they had this tip and this tip and the person still went and killed somebody it doesn't matter how many times that happens people will still just be like oh we need
0: oh they need more funding they need more funding Bonnie see they can only really watch people appropriately if they you have to double their fund their budgets then they'll be able to keep you safe And there's no one who's going to take it seriously within Congress, the idea of abolishing these agencies. And who could possibly believe that an agency that is protected by so-called state secrets privilege, which protects them from apparently even being held accountable in the court system, why would anyone believe that Congress could go in and tell them what to do? Why would they listen to them? What would be their obligation? How is... How would the congressional you I know, see what bureaucrats- you're saying. They would just
1: say, sorry, Congress, we can't listen to you because, well, state secret privilege.
0: Well, I mean, they, they would say, sure, yeah, we'll shut that program down. But how do you know they actually did?
1: It's like MKUltra.
0: Right. It, how are the con- Congress people and their staff supposed to know if the NSA, which is a secretive organization, is doing mm-hmm. a thing that they say they aren't doing or not? Like, how can you prove that? We know that the CIA has, you know, supposedly black budgets, money that they're earning from doing things like selling drugs or whatever. You know, that's money that's coming in from outside of taxpayer uh, sources, outside of Congress. And that stuff isn't trackable. That's completely under the radar. So without closing the agency down completely, then you can't be guaranteed that they're going to do what you tell them to do. So the whole idea that Congress having a quote-unquote debate over renewing the law in this particular case uh, that authorizes this domestic surveillance program where they're intercepting Americans' emails, messages, web communications, and searching it for suspicious content. Uh, you know The odds that they're going to repeal that are very slim, number one, but even if they do repeal it, the odds that the program will actually be removed by the NSA, who have proven... To be dishonest during the whole uh, Snowden. Snowden thing where Snowden would say Snowden came out with the first bit of information because he had a lot to reveal. He didn't reveal it all up front. He revealed certain parts. The NSA would then deny that they were doing that, or you know, they would not admit fully what was going on, or they'd try to cover it up, and then he would release another piece. That proved that,
1: would... that last response was a lie? Exactly. Wow.
0: And he just kept on going through. So every time the NSA responded, they were lying and they were covering up, and he kept on proving that these people cannot be trusted and that they are constantly lying. Wow. So, so no one should be surprised about that.
1: I, it just goes to the same situation where when we say the federal government is too unaccountable and you know bad we need to leave them and people say oh no we just need to get the right people in office to shrink the government it's just never going to happen because nope. that would be asking people to go against their own interests and that's silly if you understand anything about just basic human nature and uh, economics the way it really works it's just People aren't going to work against their own interests just for you.
0: Yeah, and this is the interest of the security state. I mean, you want to talk about an entrenched group of bureaucrats, people who have near to zero chance of ever having their agencies repealed. I mean, the the fact is, the any Republican talking about abolishing the FBI is just full of it. They're just saying that so you will vote for them, thinking they're going to do something about the FBI. And, and-
1: only now, while... You know, Republicans maybe still are mad at the FBI for going and raiding Trump's house. Yes, not they are. they're not going to be even saying that they're going to abolish the FBI in like ten years when the Republicans forget about that.
0: Yeah, well, they, they, as soon as they get back in control, then all of a sudden they'll they'll change out the FBI director, whoever it is. I don't know who it is right now, but they'll switch him out to one of their guys, and they'll say, "Problem solved. Our new guy. He's going to come in there." And he's going to clean house. We've got one of our Republican FBI guys. He's now in charge of the agency. And he's going to get rid of all those Biden bad FBI agents, Biden loving agents. And they're going to clean it up. And then they're going to go after the Democrats.
1: Because it's just the Democrats.
0: And that's not going to solve the problem. That's not going to lessen uh, the tyranny and these Republicans don't really want to get rid of the police because they love the police. It's just a it's just a show. They, they want people to believe that they're going to do something to change D.C. when all the evidence suggests that they're part of making D.C. worse. They, it's they obviously what
1: Trump was doing. Trump ran on uh, draining the swamp and he got in there and played a bunch of, you know, disgusting people in swamp his cabinet. Monsters. Yeah. And then didn't change anything didn't shrink the size of government at all.
0: Nope, no and no, nor did and by the way, the Republicans were in charge during the first couple of years of Trump until the midterms. So they could have, you know, they could have repealed the uh, the IRS code. they could have gone in there and gotten rid of these government bureaucracies, but they didn't. They were the ones who uh, along with the Democrats passed the Patriot Act in 2001 to create the Department of Homeland Security to create the TSA, and to uh, aggregate more power to these agencies.
1: I mean, when Trump was in power, they couldn't have even done like the little simple things that lots of Americans want, like, you know, term limits and make think, them read the bill. Would it require
0: a constitutional amendment?
1: I don't know. Term limits? Does that mean that they couldn't have done it under Trump?
0: Probably not. You would need to have, I think, three fourths of Congress vote for, if I recall correctly, a constitutional amendment. But if they had amendment. the
1: majority, wouldn't that have basically happened?
0: No, you wouldn't have had three fourths.
1: Well, whatever. I'm not.
0: Or two thirds. I don't know
1: exactly how things get passed, but I'm just saying yeah. they could have done little things like that The all Republicans are always at begging for. Sure. They that could have. They think we'll really change things. I don't think they'd really change things. Term limits, anything like that. Alex, Abdo, I think we need to leave the federal government.
0: Yeah, can't happen soon enough. We talked about a, a lot about that on uh, uh, Saturday night. But if you want to comment on it tonight, you're welcome to join us here at 603-283-6160. You basically cannot hold these secretive state agencies, these U.S. government agencies, to account, is what the Supreme Court is saying Uh, in this case. Alex Abdo of the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University, who worked with Wikimedia and the ACLU, said that the decision is a blow to the rule of law. The government has now succeeded in insulating from public judicial review one of the most sweeping surveillance programs ever enacted. If the courts are unwilling to hear Wikimedia's challenge, then Congress must step in to protect Americans' privacy by reining in the NSA's mass surveillance of the Internet. Ten years later, if they gave a damn about this issue, then they would have stepped in in 2014 or 2015 or sometime shortly after uh, Edward Snowden revealed that information but they didn't and why is that well maybe it's because i mean if there's anyone in congress that actually has let's say the political will to put forward some sort of bill like that it's got to be kind of scary to go up against the NSA you know like
1: they can they, just you know plan something in your emails or they some, could whatever.
0: plan something or they might already have something on mm-hmm. you they might already yeah if you're know a congressman Probably, you know, maybe they have a a dossier on all of the Congress people. Maybe they've already gone through congressional personal email accounts and dug up information about oh, I don't know, mistresses, underage uh, teenage girls, or you know, uh, whatever other sexual proclivities that uh, these people have visits to epstein's island you know who knows what kind of information they have but if you believe that the whole epstein thing was the tip of the iceberg on how really ugly things can get behind the scenes with these congress people and these federal goons then you might believe that the nsa was part and parcel of that information collecting on those people I don't know, just, just the speculation. I mean, it seems like it'd be pretty scary to go up against the NSA. I mean, we've seen what the federal government has done to this show with attacking some of the hosts of Free Talk Live and raiding our studios, ostensibly because we said things that they don't like. Well, imagine if somebody in Congress did something that they don't like.
1: And imagine if we actually had disgusting things to hide.
0: Indeed. Uh, If you want to join the show here, the number is 603-283-6160. According to the case here, the story at Reason.com, the upstream surveillance program at issue collects communications to, from, or about a foreign target designated under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, according to the NSA. In the clearer language of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, quote, upstream surveillance involves collecting communications as they travel over the Internet backbone. And downstream surveillance, formerly known as PRISM, involves collection of communications from companies like Google, Facebook, and Yahoo. As Edward Snowden revealed and the NSA conceded, this broad surveillance may be authorized against foreign targets, but frequently scoops up Americans, often deliberately. Quote, the government is increasingly using these broad and intrusive spying powers in run of the mill criminal investigations against Americans, circumventing their Fourth Amendment rights.
1: I was about to say, you know why he specifically says broad? It's because our, we have the Fourth Amendment right, right to not be subject to broad searches and seizures.
0: That's right. Warrants have to be specific, at least supposedly, in what they're looking for.
1: You have to be actually suspected of a crime to get a warrant against you instead of just, oh, you're driving down the street this time? Well, a murder happened five hours later, so we got your license plate, and now we're going to show up at your door or whatever.
0: Wikimedia argues the NSA surveillance discourages people from using Wikimedia's Wikipedia to research sensitive topics for fear of attracting government attention. The organization points to a 2016 article in the Berkeley Technology Law Journal that reported, quote, "...a statistically significant immediate decline in traffic for privacy-sensitive Wikipedia articles after June of 2013, but also a change in the overall secular trend." in view count traffic suggesting not only immediate but also long-term chilling effects resulting from the nsa prism online surveillance revelation so my understanding of what that says here is that there were certain whatever privacy sensitive wikipedia articles means i'm not sure what they're talking about Are, are those articles about privacy technologies or something but it sounds like they're saying people stopped looking for that information that people were afraid to go and search for those articles, to go and look at those articles, because they didn't want to be seen on some sort of list as someone who was looking for that. And again, without knowing exactly which articles they're referring to, it's kind of hard to uh, to speculate further. Maybe
1: they didn't want to get on a list by putting it in their article?
0: It, possibly. Uh, in court, federal attorneys ins- insisted the NSA surveillance programs are such secret squirrel stuff that national security secret would suffer. Secret squirrel yeah, it's a cartoon character reference. There was one I forget which. I don't know if it was. Uh,
1: I, is which I think it's it was. like a Hanna Barbera yeah. thing. If I'm, I just, I just wasn't sure if that's it's like what a you spy
0: said. A spy squirrel. I think was the character, but Never I think his name it. was Secret Squirrel. Uh, that national security would suffer if the nation's snoops were compelled to explain how their activities can possibly square with constitutional protections for individual rights, and the court bought it. Reuters reported in 2021 that, quote, in a divided ruling on Wednesday, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals said that the lawsuit must be dismissed after the government invoked the state secret's privilege, which meant that a full exploration of the issue in a court would damage national security. The decision was left to stand last week by the Supreme Court. And as pointed out here, uh, according
1: Like, people are just going to die if we find out what NSA is doing. No, people won't die. You just might get you know people n- seeing what you're doing i, I was going to say lose your job but probably not
0: no yeah federal government bureaucrats not likely to lose their jobs uh because they were just doing what they were told to do right mm-hmm. somebody made this decision somebody high up in- implemented this program i don't know if it was congress or or uh, the nsa just did it on their own volition cuz a lot of these bureaucracies have the ability to just kind of you know write their own regulations and such
1: it was a kind of barbara squirrel squirrel there. Squirrel yeah from 1965
0: uh, he says, As I pointed out before, state, state secrets privilege has a sketchy history evolving from bad official behavior after a 1948 plane crash that's killed several children observers. Sorry, civilian observers. Oh. While the observers widows sued in United States versus Reynolds, the government argued that information about the plane was too secret to be revealed in court, which turned out to be a complete lie, wow. concealing official negligence. I by mean, the that's way. so
1: obvious that they can use... It's too secret to go to court anytime they want to hide something. Yep. I mean, that's so obvious.
0: Absolutely. And the more they get away with it, the more they're going to get away with it. They can Because nothing could just point to all the cases where, well, this is state secrets. See, you guys backed us up here, and we're going to say it's state secrets now, so you can't overturn it. And it's
1: like decisions. when people like David from New Mexico call in and say listen, the Constitution is great and it's all we need. All we need is to get back to the Constitution. It's like, when was state secret privilege ever put into the Constitution? And when did the never. you know Congress vote on letting the federal government have the power of state secret privilege? Like, everything that's not enumerated goes to the states. And I, I mean, even I don't want the states to have secret powers, right. you know, privilege either. But it's just like, no one ever gave the... I never gave that to the federal government, they get state secret privileges, and I don't know anybody who would vote for that.
0: Yeah. the Well, at least as far as the state government is concerned, the New Hampshire government has, I believe it's Article 8 of the New Hampshire Constitution's Bill of Rights that specifies that the New Hampshire government should be open and accountable. Yeah. So that sort of contradicts the whole idea of having state secrets. I don't know if the U.S. Constitution has anything similar in it, but obviously it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, at this point, you cannot challenge things that are labeled as state secrets, so you're going to likely see more and more and more being labeled as state secrets. Oh, well, we can't talk about this program or that program because national security could be harmed. And national security, this is basically they are saying, quote-unquote, national security, which is whatever they say it is, whatever they want it to be, is more important than the Constitution. It's more important than your right to know what's going on with the government that you are forced to pay for.
1: It's only possible after convincing people that, oh, you're too stupid to uh, blank, therefore you need a government. Because it's basically saying like, oh, if you knew this, you just need to not worry a little head about this. Because if people found out about this, people are going to die in the United States. And it's just... You don't need to worry about it. And I don't like that attitude.
0: There's more coming up. You can join the show. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs.
2: You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of...
0: You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com. Here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Bonnie in the studio here tonight. We're talking about the latest blow against any kind of accountability or any hope for holding the federal government's secretive uh, policing agencies like the NSA accountable for what it is that they've been doing we know they've been doing it for a very long time because uh, Edward Snowden revealed a lot of their skullduggery back in 2013. It's now been a decade, just about, since that happened. And there's still been no way to hold these people accountable. The U.S. Supreme Court, according to Reason.com, recently rejected hearing a case that was decided by the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, the Fourth uh, Circuit Court, that essentially said that the NSA cannot be challenged. Uh, it's it's online or it's domestic surveillance programs cannot be challenged because of the state secrets privilege. So we don't get to find out what's going on. I mean, we know what Snowden said back in 2013. We don't get to find out anything else what's going on, because that was a leak. right? You don't get to you don't get to get a uh, have the, the court look into the activities of the NSA in any way, shape or form. They're not going to touch it.
1: How many Americans died because Snowden leaked what he leaked? I don't care. I don't think any did.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever been able to point that uh, point that out. But honestly, it does not matter to me because the truth of what's going on is more important than the people that are working for the federal government in their lives. If you guys are all about your, you know, your constitution, supposedly, they all swore an oath to it, ostensibly. If you're a police agent, you swore an oath. To uphold the Constitution. That means you're supposed to put that first and foremost. But we all know that's BS. That's just posturing to make it look like they give a damn about that sort of thing. Uh, but there's more on this story. We can share that with you coming up here. But Ricky is on the line in Pennsylvania. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead.
4: That's the Confederate Commonwealth Pennsylvania there, brother.
0: Okay. What's on your mind?
4: Just had to, I just had to see how that sounded just once, you know? But, yeah, I'm, I am from the Commonwealth, Pennsylvania. Good evening, Sister Bonnie. Hello. What's on your mind tonight, Ricky? Right. Well, <laughs> Sunday night, It this, this kind of blows my mind. A caller called in Gigi from South Carolina, you know, and this is an amazing one for me. Now, she did make the comment, came out of kind of nowhere with it, you know, and says, you know, they had a law 200 years ago that you could not educate slaves. Now, here's what's really interesting about this whole thing. I happened to be watching the news on Saturday. And there was an anchor on, it was about midday, and some woman, I didn't catch her name, I had it on after that. It was a young woman, and she made the comment out of nowhere, because she was talking about this education crap and stuff, that 150 years ago, uh, there was a law that you could not educate slaves. Well, that doesn't work. I think she meant 160 years ago. That sounds more like it, you know? Okay, 150, 160. I mean, uh, I'm sure
1: she was just generalizing. It probably doesn't doesn't matter. matter. Well, and then you got this
4: one says 200. Here's what it comes down to. I believe Gigi and I were watching the same station. And what's really interesting about this is going to that, President Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederate States of America, One of the things he offered within his term was, for free, to any slave who wanted it, training uh, training to learn trade. Now, I think that's really impressive and important. Because think about it. With this did it it was very different than a lot of people. They were looking at production and economy, you know. And the fact of the matter is, an educated slave that knows a trade is going to work better. And the fact of it, on top of that, is they had usually contracts. You know, like a seven-year contract was standard. And you know what? If you got a trade, sure. If you want to leave after your contract, you can go have a different master or something okay, like hold that. On.
0: Are you talking about uh, involuntary servitude, as in slavery, or are you talking about people who are? What was the term for the people who are like locked in for? you know, a certain number of years.
1: And they did it voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. and
0: they did yeah, it voluntarily. I don't yeah, but we're Indentured not, we're not servitude. Indentured servitude. Thank you, Bonnie. Indentured servitude. What are you talking about here? Because yeah, those are two different not, things. We're not
4: talking about life slavery, if that's what you mean. Okay. Like you sign it for life. That's what I think you're talking about. Well, you don't that sign. Really you don't
0: sign much. up for life. You, you don't. If you're a slave, you didn't sign into it. You're forced into it. Well,
4: you it. agree. Well, not everybody, and you know. <laughs>
1: Maybe there were some slaves that agreed to become slaves for some reason. Like, oh, if you're going to. A lot of
4: people did because that was the only thing you could do. There's very few choices for work. You could either be a slave. You could join, you know, the the military. There's no money in that. Or you could go into the government. Good luck with that. So there was a lot of slaves on both sides. But what it comes down to is she made this comment, said exactly like the woman did, except for the year. And, you know, it's like you should really look into it. You know, and you know what? Even if there would have been a law in the North, which I never heard of, that wouldn't mean a damn thing when it came to Confederacy. You know, I mean, educating a slave makes perfect sense. You know, because the slave. Well, no, it doesn't make don't.
0: sense from the perspective of a slave master who wants to keep their slaves ignorant. Uh, you're just saying yeah, you want. To, you're would, just saying you only want them to be educated, and you're. I don't. We're well, not know why we're talking about this. is a hundred fifty year old issue. But uh, you're just saying you think that they should be educated on a skill, not that they should learn how to read or write.
4: Well, uh, that read or write wasn't offered, but I think they could have. I mean, that that maybe would have been offered later. There, there wasn't time. Well, I don't know why you're talking
0: happened. about this, Ricky. And he's just, it's, like,
1: guessing. He it's, doesn't it's 150
0: know. years ago, and, yeah, you're completely speculating here. I mean, look, the, the well, masters at the time—thank you for the call tonight—the masters at the time— they didn't want their slaves to know how to read things, or they might possibly read about how they're slaves. They might begin to understand those things in a uh, much more fast demeanor than they otherwise might.
1: And some people choosing to become a slave because it was their best option That's is ridiculous. really sad if it is true, and doesn't doesn't make it okay.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if that. Well, happened, he, he agreed but- to
1: become my slave okay that doesn't yeah make normally you the moral. only time
0: you would agree to become someone's slave is if they had like a gun to your 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 children's head yeah or that's something what I was gonna like say
1: earlier and you interrupted me I was like maybe if the choice was between becoming a slave and like they kill your kids or something and then you're like no just take me but right even if even if assuming Ricky is hundred percent right and there were people who were like uh, I can't get a job so I might as well become a slave because at least they'll feed me <laughs> uh, I just don't think that makes it legal. I mean not legal. I meant to say moral. But
0: yeah, it'd would, would have been legal I meant to say moral. Yeah, there's plenty of things that are legal that are immoral, like the Most NSA things. and the things we are talking about from today. Let's go to your calls. Uh caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What is your name?
5: Um this is jack motion shores.
0: Jack, you're on the air. Um, how
5: are
6: you guys doing?
0: What's on your mind, dude?
6: I just really enjoyed your conversation, i Um what was the last caller talking about?
0: It's not worth talking about.
6: Okay. Um, what do you guys have? You guys watched uh, uh, any of the cooking shows at all on TV? Do you think they're getting a little repetitive?
0: I don't have cooking. Uh, I don't have television. Number one, so I, I used to watch, watch them.
1: Um, like baking competitions on Netflix, and sometimes if you weren't really in the mood for it, and you just put it on, yeah, it's like you could just like blink and not care that you're missing the same thing over and over. But sometimes it is fun. Because you get to, like, ooh, I never thought about making a cake with those flavors mixed together. Or, you know, you see them overcome the challenges or whatever. But I really like baking. I never watch cooking shows. Like, I really like cooking, too. But for some reason, it's just not as fun.
0: Are you talking about these competitive shows that Bonnie's referring to? Or are you talking about, like, the old shows back in the day where there's just, like, one chef in the kitchen showing you how to make things?
6: Oh, yeah. So Do you guys have the internet, like, the Google and the Apple's?
0: Uh, yeah, we have the internet, dude. That's how we're transmitting the show.
6: I'm sorry, man. Um, do you ever like, have, had the, like, the surveys and stuff, like, on there? Like, not surveys the terms or anything, just, like, do you like this that kind of stuff?
0: No, I don't spend time doing surveys.
6: Oh, um, anyway, I just kind of feel, like, I don't know, too repetitive.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback, man. Appreciate it. Uh... That was a pretty lame call the number six oh three two eight three sixty one sixty that's six oh three two eight three six one six zero I mean if you are running out of things to do on the internet, you should grab a damn book rather than you know filling out surveys whenever I'm or whatever
1: bored of my usual forms of entertainment. it's like you can never get on YouTube and not find something interesting. youtube has i mean or Odyssey has mm-hmm. never ending entertainment, and I could just watch. Videos on silly topics. I look up like yesterday. I literally just went in, went into Odyssey and typed in orgone energy because it was something I wanted to know more about, and found an awesome YouTube or Odysseyer that I have never seen before, and he was just talking about orgone energy for like twenty three minutes.
0: Cool. And was it interesting?
1: It was really interesting. He you knew stuff about it that I had never heard. I just didn't feel like sitting there reading about it. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be entertained and also learning.
0: So uh, back to the story here where the Supreme Court has rejected any kind of challenge to the NSA because of the so-called state secrets provisions. The Supreme Court agreed that some things are too sensitive to reveal in legal proceedings and gave officialdom a free pass to invoke the phrase national security as a shield against accountability. And that disturbs even some of the modern members of the Supreme Court. While not entirely modern, the ones that are currently there. He was referring to how it goes all the way back to 1948. Oh. While not entirely questioning the existence, this is by the way from Reason.com, of the state secrets privilege, it is, quote, no blunderbuss and courts may not flee from the field at its mere display, unquote. This according to Neil Gorsuch, who's one of the current justices in a dissent joined by Sotomayor, to the majority's invocation of the privilege in a case called United States versus Zubaydah. They said recent history reveals that executive officials can sometimes be tempted to misuse claims of national security to shroud major abuses and even think. ordinary negligence from public view. So, yeah, anything they don't want you to know about, they just say, well. it's." Was a- there
1: a but in that sentence or were they just like, yeah, they'll do that.
0: Well, these are dissenters, so oh. uh, not everybody on the court agrees. Of course, that's typical with courts. They rarely uh, agree unanimously. That case involved detention and torture at a black site in Poland. Under circumstances, the government clearly found embarrassing. The Wikimedia lawsuit involved It's
1: so embarrassing that we tortured people.
0: Well, right, and the only way that this stuff gets out is when you have people who are willing to put their careers... And their freedom on the line, like Edward Snowden or whoever it was that revealed this particular case, uh, like Seymour Hersh, the reporter who just revealed that the U.S. government was behind the Nord Stream pipeline explosion. He Mm. has a source inside the government. Now, Hersh is protecting his source, so we don't know who that person is. But you better believe the U.S. government is looking actively Mm. to find out who that person is because they are telling the truth about what the government actually did. Which Maybe is, the source
1: was just Joe Biden six months prior when he was like, we will blow up the pipeline.
0: <laughs> no, they actually I'm had joking. some some pretty insider information. It was a really detailed report. But it's because of those people that we're, only, that we're able to find out the little bit that we're able to hear about, the, the little bit of evidence that has come out. I mean, because what Snowden revealed certainly seemed, sig- and it was significant, but it's only scratching the surface of what these people are doing all around the planet. Again, we're talking about a case here, Zabayada, which involved a black site in Poland and detention and torture. Of course, we know about— So
1: the United States was torturing people in Poland?
0: Yeah, it was probably one of those uh, rendition situations, which we learned about you know, 15 years ago, where the U.S. government will take somebody they want tortured— But because it's illegal for the U.S. government to do the torturing, they'll hand them off to some other government, and then the other government can do the torturing on behalf of the U.S. government, and it's completely legal. Oh, yeah, that's moral. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court decision leaves little recourse for determining the extent of domestic surveillance by the NSA and seeking its termination. The spy agency says it cut back after, quote, inadvertent compliance incidents related to queries involving U.S. person information, whatever that means. But that leaves the public taking the NSA at its word and wondering just what is going on behind the scenes. Edward Snowden revealed just how far we should trust the intelligence apparatus. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act Section 702, which authorizes the upstream surveillance at issue in the Wikimedia case, is up for reauthorization this year, and the NSA would very much like to retain its broad power. It faces calls for reform from civil libertarians outside of government, but also from Republicans and Democrats concerned about intrusive spying on Americans. Quote, while while surveilling foreign targets under the FISA Act, the government collects exabytes of data i don't even know how many bytes is an exabyte that's bigger than anything i've heard of
1: i've never heard that word
0: <laughs> you know you've heard of gigabytes, gigabytes or terabytes terabytes so are
1: supposed to be huge and exabytes, exabytes somewhere bigger? bigger
0: than that uh according to thomas massey of course he's one of the few objecting to this quote the constitution requires a warrant to query that vast database for americans and warrantless spying now he said Similarly, Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, has long called for the intelligence community to reveal how many Americans it sweeps up and for curbs on such snooping. With the litigation against domestic spying thwarted by the invocation of state secrets privilege, Congress, for all its many faults, may be the last line of defense. Well, that's very optimistic on the part of J.D. seal over at Reason, but anyone who has been paying attention, and he certainly should have been, I suspect he has been, uh, would know that there is no hope for this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking to be. Well, Mr. most of negativity these people here. at
1: reason, like live in DC, and kind of want to make friends with DC people. That's true. And...
0: Yeah, they're DC. What do they call them? Beltway libertarians. Yeah, I think
1: I don't know this particular guy.
0: No, I, I don't know him either. Uh, but the idea that Congress is going to do anything to somehow collar the NSA or any other federal law enforcement agency is pure fantasy. And there's no voting that's going to change this. You can't elect uh, 400 Thomas Masseys or whatever. Yeah, I was going to
1: say it's like these people from Kentucky. I think voted in Thomas Massey, and it didn't do anything for him. Yeah, he put in a bill to abolish the education, the federal Department of oh, Education. Did he? he did, and it just got tabled. Yeah, or it must whatever. have been
0: killed in committee or yeah, something, right? Was killed. Yeah, so good for him. I mean, he says good things, and you know, he tries to do things, but he's up against. A behemoth like ron paul you know ron paul was dr no he was the only one that voted no on things <laughs> in congress for a very very long time dr no and he didn't get anywhere i mean it was it wasn't bad to have him there in that he could say things and get attention for the things that he was trying to promote and and promote the ideas of liberty from the position that he was in so i'm not saying it's bad that thomas massey is there i'm glad that he's there he says interesting things he, his opinions are worth are worth listening to on a lot of different uh, issues, but the people in Congress aren't listening to these people.
1: It's going to be hard to find like that. I don't know how many more four hundred or whatever more people who.
0: There's five hundred thirty five members of Congress, right? Isn't all right.
1: Five hundred thirty five more people who aren't having affairs or yeah. you know kid diddlers or whatever. Yeah. Can I say that on the radio?
0: You just did, and uh, and so the NSA knows things like that. They are aware of those things. The CIA certainly knows those things. So there's just no chance that this is ever going to change from the congressional direction. And now we know for a fact that the Supreme Court's not willing to look at it. We know the courts have uh, determined that these agencies are protected by so-called state secrets. So why does anyone out there give any kind of legitimacy to this organization? They are not... Able to be held accountable.
1: The NSA or the federal government?
0: All of them. Yep. The federal government. The NSA is just the latest organization that's making the claim to state secrets. They by by no means uh, were the first ones. I don't think they even existed. Did they even exist in 1948? It's not It's not clear what uh, the case was here with the uh, U.S. versus Reynolds, which was the 1948 plane crash hmm. that killed civ- uh, civilian observers. And the government argued that the information about the plane was too secret to be revealed in court. So that's all that any any government agency can make this claim. The EPA could make the claim about, you know, an environmental cleanup. Uh, The uh, the FBI could make the claim about a variety of different criminal investigations or whatever. And so. uh, And and
1: the Supreme Court will obviously uphold it. So it's not like you can be like, they can't make this claim. Well, they just upheld it for NSA.
0: Right. And there's a long history of them upholding this. We'll we'll take it to
1: court. And, and then, that a Supreme Court will rule against you. Right.
0: And it's not that the court, you know, is, again, if you're if you're in court, it's supposed to be a public proceeding. The information is supposed to be available to anyone that wants to go and look at it. It should not be being done behind closed doors where they're showing documents to a judge and saying, this could put our agents in jeopardy, judge. And then the judge comes out and says, well, we just can't have this case case dismissed. Uh people deserve to know what's going on when they are forced to pay for this system. And you shouldn't be forced to pay for a system that you don't don't know anything about. And that they can just withhold whatever it is is convenient for them.
1: That's a good point.
0: So who is there anyone out there knowing this that can continue to defend the existence of the federal government?
1: It's not even like we can know that these secrets don't actually harm us. Like you can't even get any reassurances about these secrets. They're just nope. not going to be ever brought to light.
0: The only way it could be brought to light is with a whistleblower, with somebody who's willing to put their career and their freedom on the line. And we saw what they weed those to people Norma. out
1: pretty good before yeah. hiring them to be in the federal government.
0: Absolutely. Let's go to the phones here, caller. You are on Free Talk Live. What's your name?
1: Pretty well.
2: Yes, it's Dana. Dana, you're on the air. Up here in Maine. Welcome, sir. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I listen to you guys uh, quite frequently. I, I get your uh, LRN network um, through another feed, and I, I listen to you guys Super quite a bit. Nice. And I, I've noticed that um, you were talking about the Republican Party earlier, and mm-hmm. I was wondering why. It, is, it, it really puzzles me. Um, and it seems to me that many people who call themselves libertarian support the stinking Republican Party.
4: Well, and, and
0: I
2: don't.
1: I wasn't saying anything supportive about them.
2: No, no, I know you guys were oh, okay. But I'm just saying that it just in general that uh, some people on your network, um, uh, I frequently hear them, uh, the supposed libertarian uh, libertarians. Uh, parroting the Republican line, Hmm. you know, about how the election was stolen, about how Republicans support freedom more than the Democrats do. Yeah, Yeah, I would have
1: to agree. I would have to agree that it's annoying to me as well that lots of libertarians just seem to think, oh, the Republicans are more on our side. I would say we're equally in agreement with some things with the Democrats that the Republicans are complete enemies with us about as we are in agreement with some things on the things that the Republicans side with us on. But ultimately both of them would have us be put in jail or, you know, murdered or whatever, if we didn't uh, pay the taxes they want, or if we didn't, you know, do the other things they want.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I just, it, it, uh, I was listening. I, I think it was, um, I think, and I like Ernie Hancock, but he's got a couple of guys on there that that uh, uh, come on and uh, just basically he's got one guy on there that talks about Donald Trump mm-hmm. like he's some kind of a uh, you know a. Savior. A god or something. I mean, he's a stinking yeah. puppet, just like the rest of them. Yeah, that's, I agree. that's and, true. Uh, and I, and
0: I share plan. your frustration because uh, this is one of the reasons why I left the Libertarian Party back in 2008. Now, I subsequently rejoined it last year because they started to uh, shift their messaging and they've gotten more principled and they've started promoting the Free State Project. But one of the things that really frustrated me was they kept electing these Republicans, these, these washed up Republicans would go and run for uh, president under the Libertarian banner, and the Libertarian Party kept on nominating them. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? These people aren't actual Libertarians. It's That's I, why
2: I left the Libertarian Party yeah. in 2008 when they put in uh, Bob Barr. Yep, yeah, it was I, right before
0: Bob Barr. That's when I
1: resigned. I hate that lots of Libertarians, even not the ones like with any say in the party, but just like people on the street that are libertarians i really hate that they think that oh we just have more in common with republicans like speak for yourself i don't have anything in common with republicans i mean even the things that they say they believe in they don't get any of it done they don't make the government smaller
2: exactly i was i was talking one the other day was talking about um, gun rights you know this republican was in, and you know i'll, I'll agree that uh um, certainly, uh, some Republicans, anyway, uh, although up here in Maine it's pretty close, but mm-hmm. uh, they do tend to favor gun rights uh, and or see them in it more of a way than, like I do. But the uh, agitation for uh, gun rights that the Democrats, uh, is a lot of it comes from the stinking war on drugs and the mm-hmm. violence associated with that. So the Republicans give us the stinking war on drugs, violence ensues, and the Democrats' answer is to ban guns.
5: Yeah, well, to be fair,
0: uh, both the Republicans and the Democrats are in favor of the war on drugs, from what, I've, from what I've seen. I don't know if you have more to say, but if you do, you can hang on. We can continue uh, here in moments. The uh, second hour of Free Talk Live is on the way here tonight. And coming up, a uh, some news about COVID, some revelations there as well. It's Free Talk Live.
7: Free Talk Live.
0: That's 603-283-6160 And if you actually believe That you can somehow Through the system Hold secretive national policing Agencies like the NSA To any form of accountability I want to hear from you The number here is 603-283-6160 That's 603-283-6160 Or if you're of the belief That it's totally fine that these agencies can have what they call the state secrets privilege and hide behind that privilege, we have no idea. Well, it's for
1: the public good and public health.
0: That's what they claim. And are you someone who actually believes that? Are you, not you, Bonnie, but you, the listener, are you someone who actually believes that this claim of state secrets is legitimate when you don't even know what they're talking about? What those state secrets are? Oh, they're
1: smarter than me and they know more than me, so I shouldn't just keep my pretty little uh, head down and let them take care of me the best way that they see fit.
0: The sad thing is there really are people who think that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now,
0: I don't know if any of those people are listening to this show, but if you are and you really believe that, I mean, you and I cannot get along. It's called being a cuck
1: to the government.
0: Yeah, you and I cannot get along. We cannot live with people like that to people that actually believe the government is out there protecting them that they are out there somehow magically keeping them safe from you know terrorists from around the world this is such a load of garbage you know there's if a terrorist wants to strike where you live There's nothing that's going to stop them from doing that. 9-11 proved that. Oh, well, they got more government now than they did before 9-11. The the Chinese government just flew, apparently, a balloon over the entirety of the United States with nothing done to it until it finally crossed the entire U.S. I mean, the whole idea that the the federal government is, like, on the ball and is going to keep you safe is pure fantasy.
1: Just watch, like, on YouTube or something or a podcast, a few of those... Real or, I mean, true crime shows where they talk about crime that actually happened, especially murder. You're bound to find at least one in the first like five you listen to where they're like, people were outraged because it came to light that the FBI was watching him this whole time. And before or, they
0: committed some sort of violent crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The FBI knew about this. The ex wife called and, and gave tips multiple times saying he's going to kill someone, and the FBI ignored it. I mean, yep. like, that happens so, so commonly. Often.
0: So, if you are one of those people and you want to call in here, the number is 603 283 6160. If you are someone who is frustrated with the lack of accountability of the federal government, then you must ask yourself are you also ready to secede from the United States? And if you're not, then what's your plan? Like, how are you going to change this? Are you going to vote harder? Are you going to vote for somebody different in 2024, somebody else besides the Republicans and Democrats and who they put up? Because I'll tell you what, the Libertarians aren't going to win.
1: Oh, well, I can't stick my neck out and possibly get any, you know, heat come down on me because I have children and I love them. So I want them to grow up in a more and more tyrannical world until they're slaves.
0: That was literally an opinion of somebody who called this weekend.
1: Wow. I mean, I've heard Um, it a million times.
0: Yeah, but I mean I wouldn't say voting is sticking your neck out, but the problem I wasn't of talking course, about voting. But the problem, of course, is that you don't have anyone to vote for. No one who's running for Congress for the most part, with the exception of maybe Thomas Massey or something, no one who's running for Congress is seriously going to reform anything. It's just not gonna happen. So uh, in other news, you know, what, can you, what can you do about this? Well, you can start talking about independence and you can start working towards independence in whatever state you happen to be. If you're a libertarian, then you really ought to get to New Hampshire. If you're a conservative, you ought to move to Texas. If you're a liberal, you ought to move to California. Those are probably the three hottest, you know, most successful uh, secession movements out there. And so if you truly believe that independence is the solution to getting out from under the federal government's oppres- uh, oppressive thumb, then you should be in one of those three places, depending on what your politics are. Texas is doing very, very well. There's a lot of people in Texas who support the question of independence for Texas. I think, I think the poll last year showed 66% of Texans supported independence, if I recall correctly. I don't know if California has been polled on that question specifically. New Hampshire was like 29%. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to live in Texas. So we want the, the uh, we, oh, well, I don't want to live in They've a conservative place. Like
1: years that. of, uh, you know, like their uncle used to always talk about how we need to secede because of the secession has been conversation longer there because of the fact that they did secede or mm-hmm. whatever. And I know I went to, I had Texas history in seventh grade. And did they secede
0: it. from Mexico? I don't know. Is that what it was?
1: I really I really don't know.
0: Uh so you can comment the number 6032836160.
1: Sorry. My point was just they've had the conversation going longer. It's not that they're like smarter or something. Um the more we keep talking about it in a common sense fashion explaining to people you know why it's the only option.
0: Indeed. Uh that's what's important the is more getting the conversation will support the the conversation has to continue. It has to become uh, much more widespread, which is important. It's something for you to change. If you're not talking with your friends and you're not talking with your family and you believe in independence, if you're not talking with your coworkers about it, now's the time to start talking about it. And there's no better time than now, now that national divorce is in the news, it's getting some controversy, it's getting some discussion. It's time to take a side. Uh, Number 603 283 6160, Bonnie, you have a story tonight about uh, the covid so-called world health organization that situation apparently the biden administration is going to be handing over uh, Mm -hmm. some kind of authority to the who with regards to future uh, diseases or pandemic policy okay
1: and the who is the world health organization it's in geneva i'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure um This is from the Epic Times. Biden admin negotiates deal to give WHO authority over U.S. pandemic policies. The Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization that experts say would give the Geneva-based United Nations Health Agency the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic
0: which they kind of already were doing
1: they were like suggesting it and everybody was like look we're, we have to do this because they suggested it yeah. and they're you know experts so you're right but but in, this
0: would somehow make it more direct
1: yeah it, it would be like. more like they just you know implement a state of emergency instead mm. of biden being like well i saw the guidelines from the who and because of that it's a state of emergency okay you know that's scary Despite widespread criticism of the W.H.O.'s response to the COVID pandemic, U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra joined the W.H.O. Director General Tedros Adhanom, whoa, I can't say his last name, Okay. Uh, it's like Gebrasis in September 2022 to announce the U.S. W.H.O. Strategic Dialogue. Together, they developed a platform to maximize the longstanding U.S.-W.H.O. partnership and to protect and promote the health of all people around the globe, including the American people. Mm.
0: Well, you know, to me, uh, people's health should be protected by their own choices. They should have a doctor or more than one doctor that they trust, that they go to to get advice, and that should be done on a grassroots basis not from a top-down basis which is what we saw with the covid situation where we were told that if it doesn't come from the government's doctor dr fauci then it's not the truth if it's not coming from the who or the cdc then it's misinformation and you shouldn't believe it even if your own doctor is telling it to you and we saw doctors being punished by licensing boards and things like that. And I suspect what you're talking about here, Bonnie, is going to take us closer to that. We'll continue with your story here in a moment. But David is on the line in San Francisco, probably someone who supports having the World Health Organization tell him what to do. Uh, David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead.
5: Well, there you go, Lion again. I was just looking at factcheck.com, and they say that what you're saying is total bull uh let's see the headline who has no authority to dictate u.s health policy uh by catalina jaramillo well Well, uh, i didn't say that they do
1: i said that they're in negotiations so fact check said it bonnie
5: therefore
0: it must be true what david's reading because somebody called fact checked has looked at this case
1: doesn't sound like something you you could put into a college paper or anything
5: yeah, it's funny. You know, it's hard to tell whether or not libertarians are ass-kissers to the big money or whether they're paranoid. And either way, uh, it has <laughs> nothing to do with united we stand, divided we fall.
1: Nope, it has nothing uh, libertarian- to do with that.
5: Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's apparent that... Because uh, uh, if we divided, we'd prisoners- be much
1: better off in New Hampshire than we are... United with yeah. the United States. Well, yeah. you guys siphon money from us, so I don't know what you're even talking about.
5: Well, that's not true. At We're a donor we state. That is true. The red
1: Fact check. Not not not, not true. What David's saying. Fact is check. California,
0: California, not a donor state.
1: California
5: pays for the red states.
1: No, I Goals was saying the that the federal government siphons cities. money from us.
0: Well, they certainly do.
1: Uh, and yeah. uh, so, what I was going to
5: ask is, do libertarians believe in performance bonds? What is that? Well, if, uh, if you wanted to build a brand new bridge, if you wanted to build a, a highway, if you wanted to build, a, and you, you told the contractor that they had to put up uh, uh, an insurance policy that they were building it on the, uh, in, uh, according to specs, and that if there were any problems, the performance bond was going to deal with the money uh, before the lawsuits dragged on for 20 years. So do libertarians Libertarians believe in contracts,
1: so sure. I mean, I don't know why you're making this such a big deal. Libertarians could agree to an arbitrator before signing a contract that they would say, yes, if you break these uh, conditions, then we're going to go to this arbitrator. And if performance bar- bonds is part of that, sure. I-, I don't know what why you think people can't build things without the government. The government just contracts a third party to build the roads and buildings and bridges. Can you hang up on him, Ian? He's no, so No, no, I'm
0: actually interested All in hearing what he has say. to say here.
5: Well, the reason I bring it up, uh, uh, Norfolk uh, Southern, the railroad that poisoned the river that's leading down to the drinking water of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, Norfolk uh, is basically running everything on the cheap, they they offered the town of East Palestine $25,000 tops. They offered all of the people that were damaged $1,000. But if you signed that check, uh, that you would give away your right to sue them in the future. Sounds like a crappy now, deal. Oh, a very crappy deal. Yeah. And, uh, and they dragged it on, and they were hoping it was going to fall off the headlines, but it hasn't fallen off the headlines. And now, Norfolk Southern, who had 700 derailments last year, 700 derailments last year, now every, every city in America better be putting uh, performance bonds on uh, Norfolk uh, Southern because they are – proving themselves to be uh, such a worthless company that their credit rating should be collapsing and, uh, and their their basic standards of business practices require uh, performance bonds.
1: Some of their basic um, standards of practice were mandated by Biden. So like the.
5: No, they were mandated by uh, science.
1: The trained people were. Not boycotting. What's the word?
0: Train people.
1: The people who work in trains were boy- not boycotting. The other word, striking.
0: Oh, oh, striking!
1: And Biden forced them to go to work. They were saying, "Look, look, we, we don't have enough people. This dangerous uh, conditions and stuff like that." And Biden forced them to go to work and said, "Yay, America!" So, next question has nothing to do with libertarians, idiot.
0: Well, I, I don't think name calling is uh, is appropriate here, Bonnie. You don't want to lower yourself to David's level uh, by doing that. Now, David, uh, I think we actually do, despite Bonnie being pretty hostile towards you here, I think we actually agree on a lot of things with regard to the East Palestine situation. But he didn't
1: come into the conversation just saying, what do you guys think about this? He was like, libertarians are wrong. Yes, he's, I've been he's talking hostile. about how the no Ohio situation is crazy, and the government also is uh, part of what was crazy, not just the railroad.
0: Well, who runs the railroads? Partially the government. Well, who decided to it. explode
1: no. it? The government.
5: No the railroad is not run by the government the government Yeah has just regulations highly regulated for inter- the government has regulations for interstate traffic interstate commerce and the f- the fact is is that if they've got uh, defective equipment crossing state lines and that they refuse to repair equipment like they as you if you're keeping up with East Palestine they knew 20 miles in advance in, in what was it, in Cleveland, that that train was shooting sparks mm-hmm. to such a degree that, uh, that it was a danger. Now, apparently that railroad got rid of any of the safety equipment on the train that would have noticed all of those sparks. They, years ago, at, at, at least 20 years ago, probably during the Reagan administration, got rid of cabooses. And uh, the guy in the caboose would have been able to spot those sparks, and, uh, but the railroads decided to run things on the cheap so long that they've gotten cavalier even about the electronic equipment on the trains. And the idea that uh, uh, it's, it's an issue that of public safety that if a train is gonna go highballing through a neighborhood with unmarked cars, and as uh, one of the big problems of this is, is that they were carrying chemicals that were unmarked as hazardous waste and uh, or
1: hazardous material. What would have changed if and it was the... marked as hazardous material? Nothing. Yeah. So what, what, well, what has changed in the last, uh, you know, however many years of the government getting more and more and more regulating of the train industry? Obviously, it's not working. Obviously, these people are still, you know, cutting corners. I don't understand what your point is.
5: Well, first he of all, he wants more regulations. Government. More regulations. Will say, if
1: we just labeled them as toxic chemicals, this would have never happened.
5: Well, first of all, apparently, you know, if you were to look at it as a terrorism incident, where you've got a, a tank car full of some chemicals that are unmarked. Now, what company is trying to transport uh, chemicals across state lines unmarked, especially volatile chemicals? Yeah, it seems like a really chemicals. bad
0: idea to me. Uh, but I, right. I mean ultimately putting more regulations on this subject isn't going to necessarily solve the problem here especially if it's the regulators that are actually protecting these railways from liability and that's my question I don't know the answer to this and if there's somebody out there that why was maybe David works calling in
1: the- when the actual workers who know about what happens with these trains day in and day out were striking and didn't want to work and biden said no you're gonna work anyway <laughs> america jack well, well I don't, that's I
5: don't. not entirely true uh okay. what happened backcheck.com uh, said it's not 80, entirely true ian well about 80 percent of the striking workers all of the there, are a couple of dozen of different railroad companies almost 80 80%, percent some 80 something percent of the railroad workers had settled with their companies But there were a couple of outstanding companies that were refusing to settle anything. And so basically what Biden did was he said, "Okay, you're going to come up to uh, the standards that they have agreed with so far.
1: And did those standards make make it to where East Palestine didn't happen? No. The regulations don't work. I don't know why we were still talking to this guy. Well, the
0: regulations don't work because ultimately the people who are regulating are probably part of the companies that are being regulated in a lot of cases. And, of course, centralization tends to fail, and this is one of the reasons why it, it tends to fail. Now, again, my question is, is, what kind of liability does Norfolk, whatever they're called, uh, Southern, Norfolk Southern, what do they have? Because I know that when it comes to other disasters, like the BP oil spill that happened out in the Gulf of Mexico, the federal government protected BP, from liability up to, I believe, uh, or above, seventy-five million dollars. If I'm recalling correctly, It was a, a shockingly no, it was probably small.
5: Probably a billion. Huh? It was probably billion. Millions would be nothing. That's what I'm saying. It was. Stuff.
0: It was like nothing that that came out of that the uh, the BP company for any kind of uh, damages to people's property or or whatever. Uh, and it was a federal government regulation or protection or whatever you want to call it that essentially protected that company from liability so it wouldn't surprise me to find out that norfolk southern was being protected By the very government that's supposedly regulating them into making it so they have no real liability where they can just hand out these checks for $1,000 and call it a day. I mean,
1: they're at least partially protecting them. The EPA went out and tested, didn't test for dioxins, and told the people that live there, oh, it's perfectly safe and everything's fine. They're protecting them from outrage at least. That's a good
0: point because if the uh, government agency, and thank you, David, for the call, if it's required that the government has to find some sort of problem before they'll be held liable then if the government's not finding the problem then they can't be and i again i, I don't know what the regulations are or aren't for uh, this particular industry but maybe CW knows something in Arizona you're on free talk live CW
3: hey how's it going hey KCOA. what's on your mind tonight um man we miss a uh, san francisco man on our show
0: oh does he call your did he used to call your local shows
3: Oh, my God. In the height of the COVID pandemic, the supposed pandemic, he would call and rattle on some stupid statistics about (sighs) San Bernardino County, where our station's located. Oh, you know your numbers are up, and this and that, and you should blah, blah, blah. I got this from
1: factcheck.com.
3: He would fearmonger every day about COVID and COVID. Oh, my God. I just don't understand why these people
1: who are so afraid, can't just go be afraid in their own houses? Why do they need other people to be so afraid?
3: Well, I'm sure he's cowering in his house alone with nobody. (laughs) Wearing wearing a mask. mask. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I'm just, it's nice to hear his voice again. You know, it is, the voice of reason.
1: He's my least favorite caller, and that's saying a lot. I uh,
0: I don't mind it when he calls in because I like hearing from people that don't agree with us, and I understand he can be it's hostile. Different
1: to be, it's different to talk to somebody who just doesn't agree with us but is well, yeah, open to talking. He's just an a-hole.
0: Yeah, a lot of times he well, won't listen, have a conversation. That's
3: true. I, I'm yelling at you guys through my radio, but you can't hear it. I disagree with you guys a lot. But you know what? That's what's fun about this live stuff, you know?
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Well, that's the point yeah, of calling not, in it's just like i don't are, like being yeah, talked yeah. to like um an idiot from an idiot who winning
0: <laughs> cw what were you yelling at the radio about tonight
3: oh no not tonight just sometimes when oh, okay. people talk on your show i just want to yell and yell you know just you should call in <laughs> and yeah, and just, just call think. in man this is great. Can... i mean
1: you seem like a cool guy who wouldn't just call in and say like libertarians god
3: <laughs> well you know what i'm not much i'm not much of a political type of guy anyways i just I just really know I hate listening to left-wing radio. That is some of the worst crap in the world.
0: Yeah, I've never really listened to it. I know there's a handful of shows out there. Uh, Tom Hartman is one of them. A lot of them have gone gone off the air entirely. They just don't exist anymore. There used to be, like, left-wing, full-on progressive talk stations and... 90% 90% of those are completely gone now. Hey, CW, thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. The number here is 603 283 6160. If you know more about these railro- uh, railroad companies and what level of liability they may or may not have and how they're protected by the government, would love to hear from you. You can join us. Bring up whatever's on your mind as well. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Bonnie here tonight. You can join us online. Just head on over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that you'll find there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. We do have our own social media platform. You can join it at social.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there. Uh, when you sign up, the, the site will ask you like why you're joining the site. There's a little entry box that you can fill in whatever you want. Just put something in there related to Free Talk Live and we'll know that you're an actual real human being and not some sort of robot that's trying to spam us. That's the reason that question exists. And so, head over to social.freetalklive.com. You can do that. Uh, you know, since David called in about this railroad situation, I know Bonnie, you looked into the East Palestine thing pretty in depth. I know on a couple of the shows, it got some coverage. It was just a couple nights that I wasn't here, so I actually have not had a chance to uh, to talk about it. But Imagine
1: looking into it at all, and the conclusion you come up with is if they would have just been regulated a little harder this would have never happened. If they would have just labeled these things as potentially dangerous chemicals, this would have never happened.
0: Well, I mean, David in San Francisco isn't wrong in the point that companies do tend towards lowering costs right like oh okay well we don't need the caboose anymore so we're just going to get rid of that and i'm sure they had their their reasons for that but certainly cost cutting is an important aspect of making sure your profits are as large as
1: possible but the thing he doesn't understand is if it was just a you know a a market without regulations they couldn't just go lobby the government and be like this is what we want to do we'll do this you give us X." Instead, they would have to actually have repercussions for the things they were doing.
0: Well, and that's where I wanted to go with it, was that in the uh, the regulated marketplace, they can, like you said, lobby the government for special favors. And that's one area that I'm just not clear on in this particular case of what kind of protections these railroad companies are actually given by the government regulations. Because they most assuredly do exist, uh, but I just don't know what... It would be an interesting... like libertarian kind of investigative journalism story and maybe reason or somebody is is working on something like this to to you know kind of tell the whole story about well how was it government regulations actually led to this these train derailments being more likely right like who's who's really dropping the ball here and and why is it being dropped uh, so according to a daily mail article Norfolk Southern has given just 3.8 million dollars in aid directly to the citizens of East Palestine as top brass tell its investors that its insurance covers up to $1.1 billion in liability. So apparently there would be a lot of money here, in theory, under their insurance policy that they have, but yet they've only paid out $3.8 million. So why is it that the coverage isn't covering more? what is it that you know how is the government's involvement in this co- this industry which is as you pointed out Bonnie a regulated industry you know train travel uh how is government involvement limiting their liability in some way and again i don't have the answers to this i'm not asking you uh, i'm not suggesting you might know either but um, it is clearly something here. They point out that the CEO of Norfolk Southern got $4.36 million in 2021. So the amount of money paid to the people of East Palestine hasn't even hit the amount of money they pay their CEO in one given year. So why is it it's not uh, you know all the way up to a billion dollars? They're probably relying on some sort of assessor. I presume it's the insurance company themselves. But again, who knows what level of government regulatory uh, involvement there is in the insurance side of this business. If the railway industry was actually operating in a free market, then I think we would see a more robust insurance situation. Like if it was uh, Norfolk Southern's fault, because remember, I've heard about the Sparks, too. Our caller David mentioned the Sparks. I'm sure you've heard about that or seen some of the images of that. Um, and that's that was a thing with this particular train. It I think it got noticed after the fact. I don't know if anybody noticed it during the the sparks happening, but uh, you know that sort of thing. Maybe the company would take it more seriously if it knew that it would be held up to the one point one billion on this insurance policy. Because usually, what'll happen, right? Like if you have an insurance policy and you violate that policy, if the insurance company comes in and said, "Well," You guys had this these sparks from the the you know whatever it was that was causing it, and
1: you did nothing about it. You didn't. Y-
0: you could have found it if you were doing your regular inspections that you are supposed to do under our insurance coverage. But you cut the jobs, of the people that were doing the inspections, or whatever. Right? Like I am speculating on right. what what might have happened here, and then the insurance company is going to raise their rates. They're going to increase the amount of money that they have to pay to continue to cover. Uh, this company and or possibly cancel their coverage entirely. And then if they're uninsured, they wouldn't be able to operate their, their business. So uh, again, or
1: in a free, completely free society, uninsured trains wouldn't get customers like the people who were uh, the,
0: whoever hired them to move their product would not, they would just be like,
1: I don't want to transport my materials with an uninsured, uh, Company And if they yeah. did, and something like East Palestine happened, well, people will probably be able to get more repercussions than $1,000 out of these people.
0: I mean, it could potentially sink the company, some sort of disaster like this. So, yeah, we don't have a free market in this particular area, and you and I at least don't know all the details on how ugly the underbelly of the regulatory system is for this. But people like David... They cannot see freedom as the answer they just that's not even an option on the table for these these types of people. All they can think about when they see bad behavior by a company is, well, we just need more regulations. We need more government involvement in whatever the given industry is. They ignore the fact that every time this happens, the industries capture the regulators I mean that happens in the pharmaceutical industry
1: The thing about freedom is. Freedom always comes with responsibility. Like those mm. two things go hand in hand; they're opposite ends of the same poles. And people like David think too much freedom is just uh, the end result you get from too much freedom is just um, CEOs or whatever of big companies doing whatever they want. That's what freedom is, and that's why we got to be against it and regulate it away. But, but in reality, true. but in reality, true freedom would also include the fact that they would uh, need to have more responsibility, mm-hmm. but the regulations are what regulate that away. They, I right. mean, and the government protections, it gets rid of that. So it's not true freedom. It's no, it's just... the
0: illusion. Regulation's the illusion of holding these people responsible.
1: Right. And Libertarians are for insurance. I'd much, much right. rather just have an insurance company, uh, you know, telling me whether or not, They will still insure me when I'm building a building than just have the government saying, nope, not up to code, you know, so you can't do that. Much rather an insurance company that actually has like
0: something on the line,
1: something on the line.
0: Yeah. Uh, And so we've seen the the regulatory capture is a thing that it's not just something that happens in the pharmaceutical business. It happens all the way down to like your local restaurant board. You know, the the group of restaurateurs who decides what the rules are for health safety or inspections on running restaurants and things like that. It's the people who are in that business that set those rules up. And this happens across the board in various different industries. So, you know, the idea that you could somehow protect a regulatory agency from regulatory capture is just, it's pure fantasy. It's like you're not even paying attention to what actually goes on out there if you think you can do that. Because it keeps happening because the it's incentives just,
1: like people like David are just imagining and daydreaming that mm-hmm. there are just these people out there who, well, I'm just a really good person. And you see, I just want what's best for the public health. Those are the people that get hired and become regulatory people that, you know, that's what makes up the SEC. Just right. people who are just good and have good intentions and want the whole world to be happy. That's totally what the SEC is full of and all these other regulatory agencies.
0: Yeah, it's not like uh, these people are saints. They work for the government, and they are going to be persuaded by a million dollars or whatever, right? Like some some railroad company comes to the regulators and offers them two million dollars a piece, cash or something like that, and just look the other way or do what we want you to do. Make Anything, sure we cut some, some
1: corners. Moral person yeah. who just happens to accidentally get a job at one of these places is going to be welcomed and. With open arms by these other regulators who've been doing this for years. That's like part of the, that's you know one of the props of the, or perks of this job is mm-hmm. you know you get money from the people who want you to regulate a certain way, and then somebody comes in and is like, "No, we need to make sure that they're watching out for their sparks." The other people are going to be like, <laughs> "Get out of here!"
0: Right? They'll end up dead or something like that. Probably. So. If you want to comment, you're welcome to join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. So, Bonnie, you were telling us that apparently the Biden administration is teaming up with the WHO and they're going to give them, according to the Epic Times, some sort of level, uh, a higher level of influence, I guess, over what the pandemic-related policies are here in the united states even though the u.s cdc was basically working hand in hand with the who during covid i guess the what they're saying in this story and I, i think you have a little more you wanted to share but what they're saying is this will somehow increase their ability to control what goes on in the united states
1: yeah the united states government was having a discussion with the who about that and it says these discussions and others spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty, so that's the name of the the Zero Draft, Hmm. published on February 1st, which now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. A meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body is scheduled for February 27th to work out the final terms, which members will then sign. Written under the banner of the World Together Equitability Never heard heard that word.
0: Equitably.
1: The world together equitably. Equitably? Equitably. The zero draft grants the WHO the power to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health Hmm. emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations, such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates... Global supply chains and monitoring and surveillance of populations.
0: So, wait, read that to me one more time because I was actually just pulling up the WHO's own website talking about the zero draft. So, go, <laughs> Well, go what ahead.
1: about? Wait, wait, wait. I thought that the um, fact check. Factcheck.com yeah. said this isn't true.
0: <laughs> anyway, what is it that? Uh, once, that a, last sentence?
1: once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, mm-hmm. would submit to the authority of the WHO. Regarding treatments, so treatments for Mm -hmm. COVID-19, for example, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and surveillance of populations. Disturbing. The question of whether an international treaty has the power to dictate domestic policy without lawmakers' approval is a contentious one. Quote, treaties don't override our constitution, wrote Rep. Thomas Massey from Kentucky on Twitter. If a treaty purports to supersede our Constitution, that treaty is unenforceable, Massey wrote. Mm -hmm. But others are wary of international agreements that could centralize authority or the response to pandemics. Quote, they want to see a centralized vaccine and medication-based response and a very restrictive response in terms of controlling populations, unquote.
0: Is that Massey again?
1: David Bell, a public health physician and former WHO staffer, specializing in epidemic policy, policy, told the Epic Times. Hmm. They get to decide what is a health emergency, and they are putting in place a surveillance mechanism that will ensure that there are potential emergencies to declare.
0: It's hard to imagine things being any worse than they were in COVID. I mean, because it seemed like everyone was playing by the same playbook anyway. Uh, I know the WHO came out at one point and claimed that they, I don't know if they said they were wrong about lockdowns, but they said that lockdowns were not working in the way that, uh, that they had hoped that they would work. But that's not to say that they wouldn't try that again if, you know, if they had the opportunity. It's just like things were so homogenous. Maybe they just across- need to do it
1: harder. Maybe they just need to lock down harder. I mean, yeah. regula- regulations don't work, haven't been working, so we need to regulate harder.
0: Well, that would be the answer of people like uh, David who called. Yeah, lockdowns
1: don't haven't been working, so we need to lock down harder.
0: Well, uh, and that didn't work in China either. They they locked down hard in China, and people finally took to the streets and uh, protested those lockdowns, and then they they reversed them. So, of course, if people aren't willing to go along to get along, if they're not willing to obey all these uh, restrictions, then they just won't have any effect. But it's just like, it's hard to imagine things being even more homogenous. I mean, the things, the restrictions between country to country were so similar. I mean, there were minor differences across the entire world. Almost every country was forcing people to wear masks. Almost every country had international travel restrictions. I mean, it was all seemingly coming from the same playbook. So, I mean, this certainly doesn't sound good, but it's hard to believe that this could be worse than... I mean, it seems like they're already doing what the WHO wants them to do. So I'm not really sure what this changes.
1: It'll just be coming from the WHO instead of the United States, basically, because, um, I mean, this physician, Meryl Nass, told the Epic Times, if these rules go through as currently defined, I, as a doctor, will be told what I am allowed to give a patient and what I am prohibited from giving a patient. But that was already happening. Yeah, that's my point. The United States was already doing that. So I do see your point.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, it sounds bad, and I. It is bad. I'm not saying, oh, well, this is fine. This is not fine. It certainly is centralizing things even more. But it wasn't like the CDC was pushing back against the WHO. Like the CDC and the WHO were buddy buddy, and what one said, the other, the other did. And I so- think what's
1: bad about this is that it's going to set a precedent where countries can just. I mean, this precedent's been set. There's things like NATO and the UN, Mm -hmm. but
3: it's more centralization.
1: Countries can just, you know, in this extra national way, Mm -hmm. just make laws that the people in the country have to obey when they their own, you know, type of government that they're supposed to be able to work through. It is you know powerless to stop it you know
0: yeah you're right it is uh, right it's more centralization of quote-unquote authority it's seeding that uh idea to this completely uh unaccountable group i mean we were talking about accountability earlier tonight where the nsa can just say state secrets and then the courts will uh, completely leave them alone i mean the cdc isn't particularly accountable either but the WHO is even more disconnected. So, I mean, it's essentially it's like the UN, basically, now of uh, health organizations, of, of health regulations. So, yeah, this definitely seems like uh, like a bad plan. And I was looking to see if there was anything, because you mentioned that this treaty thing is being heard today. I think you said t- February 27th was the day on which uh, the WHO is meeting for this, what they call the Zero Draft and presumably they're hammering out the details here on this thing as uh, as we speak so it doesn't look like there's any fresh news uh about you know what might have transpired but whatever it is it's not going to be good it's not going to be good for human freedom it's not going to be good for health freedom and you know once again uh I, I, i just feel like it's going to keep coming back to this more more and more often these days it's like You're not going to be able to vote your way out of this, right? Like the the federal government's moving in this direction of having some quote-unquote world health authority uh, come in and force their viewpoint down your doctor's throat. If it gets to the point where your doctors are not willing to go against the CDC and therefore the World Health Organization— that's a real problem because having different opinions in this area is an important concept.
1: I mean, these people are going to be able to make medicines that have been proven to work for things illegal just because they're not the medicine they want you to take.
0: Yeah, they're not politically approved. They're not uh, pouring billions of dollars into pharma companies' pockets like Pfizer or Moderna.
1: And it, in this case, it's not even like—nobody the, the, could call in and say— Oh, you libertarians are just paranoid because, I mean, this literally happened. They outlawed things like hydrochloroquine and and, uh, mandated things like remdesivir that were killing people. I mean, those are the things that people should have more pay more attention to. People should be pointing out the fact that the government mandated things that killed people during COVID. But no, you just hear about COVID deaths, COVID deaths. What about remdesivir deaths?
0: Here's the actual uh, press release from the World Health Organization, WHO.INT. This is from back in December. They're talking about the meetings that are happening right now uh, with this zero draft that you mentioned, Bonnie. And this is, uh, who's speaking here? This is one of the co-chairs of this organization, Ms. Mas- Matsososo, Matsoso. She said the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on human lives, economies and societies at large must never be forgotten. The best chance we have today as a global community to prevent a repeat of the past is to come together in the spirit of solidarity and a commitment to equity. There's that word again. And in the pursuit of health for all and develop a global accord that safeguards societies from future pandemic threats.
1: Because it was such a threat last time. It was such a big deal.
0: Oh, yeah. A cold that killed 0.01% or something of the people. The same amount of people died
1: uh, as normally die. It's just that we didn't call it the flu this time. So we need to protect the world from that again. Ever happening again.
0: She said that government representatives stress that any future pandemic accord would need to take into account equity, strengthen preparedness, ensure solidarity, and promote a whole of society and whole of government approach, whatever that means, and respect the sovereignty of countries. I mean, this just sounds like a load of garbage Yeah, that's just
1: garbage. I mean, this is the opposite of respecting the sovereignty of countries. When you disregard what the people who are being ruled by these countries uh, say— and just go above even the governments that they supposedly elected and just make laws for their doctors to follow. That doesn't even make sense. This lady is uh, on crack.
0: Well, they're just trying to cover for what's really going on, which is the total centralization and control of health policy. And It's it's really scary stuff. So once again, what's the answer here? The answer is to get out. Not every country in the world is on board with this. I don't know which countries are, but I suspect it's the bigger ones. You know, there were a couple of countries out there during COVID that actually had kind of went their own way, right? Was it was it Sweden that uh, wasn't really cracking down on all of the mandates? I know Belarus was one of the freer uh, places as far as COVID is concerned. Yeah, maybe concerned. Sweden too. It was, I believe, it was Sweden at least for some time. I think they ended up getting worse as uh, as things went on, but it's it's been a while. So there were a couple there were. You know, and by the way, I'm not saying Belarus is some sort of bastion of, of human freedom. It's certainly not. But on that particular issue, the authoritarian dictator in Belarus was relatively OK. Um, so it is uh, it's I mean, the only solution here is to get out from the United States. They're not going to be decentralizing power down to your local medical board or your individual doctors in any given area. They're going to threaten these doctors, and they're going to tell them, if you don't get on board with what the WHO says, we're going to strip you of your medical license.
1: And forget people who are healers that work outside of the traditional medical establishment.
0: Well, they haven't managed to, to criminalize that quite yet, as much as the traditional medical establishment might like to make those people illegal. Those people do still exist, and they are still able to you know, to do their practice. They're just not allowed legally to make certain claims, right? So they can't they can't say, well, if you take the this bark from this tree over here and you brew some tea with it, that'll cure cancer. You know, even if it does cure cancer, they're yep. not allowed to actually say that because then the FDA will come in and destroy their livelihoods.
1: Well, this says that the WHO pandemic, uh, the WHO pandemic agreement calls for member states to implement, quote, one health surveillance.
0: Oh, that sounds lovely.
1: One Health, like it, the, the O and the H is capitalized, it's like kay. the name of the yeah. surveillance, is a concept that has been embraced by the United Nations, the oh Centers Boy. for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Bank, and other global organizations.
0: Sounds terrible. Does it actually say what it does?
1: The term originally meant a way of seeing human and animal health as linked. They sometimes are, so that you could improve human health by acting more broadly. Someone named Bell said... It has become hijacked and is now used to claim that all human activities and all issues within the biosphere aspect, affect health and are therefore within public health's uh, remit.
0: Are we talking about an app here that everybody's going to be forced to have? Because it's more of
1: a program. Like, right. well, everything is related, so it's all public health, so we have uh, jurisdiction over it all.
0: More coming up.
7: Free Talk Live.
0: We talk live, and you can join the show here. At the number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160.
1: Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's
0: Bonnie. So, we were just talking a moment ago about the WHO, the World Health Organization. I guess it looks like they're going to be in even greater control over what. Uh, various different government agencies around the planet are doing in regards to supposed pandemic response. There's a kind of a treaty that's being worked on, I guess, as we speak. There's some sort of three-day-long gathering with the WHO in order to put this thing in place. They're talking about uh, health surveillance, and it's not really clear exactly what that means there's a lot of like mumbo jumbo uh, terminology when you try to look into what was called one health. I think yep, one health surveillance. When you look into this, I mean, it doesn't sound good, right? Like it's. I was just looking during the uh, the news break and trying to get some idea of what that actually means.
1: It's really sad how demented these people are, the controllers of the world, that they will take anything and twist it to their own advantage to get more power over other people's lives like basically what that guy was saying was the idea was oh what affects you know i believe this what affects your environment what affects the animals around you what affects anything down to the vibrational uh ecosystem you live in affects your health and they took that to mean oh basically anything falls under public health so we have jurisdiction over all of it and we can tell you what to do and Absolutely anything can be a public health crisis, so therefore we're going to keep you locked in your house if we think your carbon emissions are too much and you're going to destroy the environment, and that's public health you know, crisis. Yeah,
0: that's something that they're definitely talking about. Uh, Things seem to be moving in that direction now, Uh, and that's, again, another world that, that I'm not interested in living, where some bureaucrats set arbitrary limits on the things that you might enjoy. I know the last time I went and uh, somebody was looking at airline tickets and their Google's now got a carbon emission number like normally when you when you buy airline tickets it shows you you know how long the flight is right or where the where it's taking off and where it's landing and what dates and how much it costs there's a new column now for the carbon emissions on the flight booking just to give people a, an awareness of what their emissions are, where they're flying from point. To, it's not a mandate yet. It's not something where you're being told you can't buy the ticket, but it seems like they're putting this, you know, the systems into place. They're putting the data there first before any kind of restrictions uh, come into play.
1: And that's the kind of thing they do. Like my dad was telling me on the phone the other day. He was a medic in the army for like 26 years or something. He told me that in April, or no, August 2018, his little clinic in the middle of nowhere in Dugway Proving Ground, last place he ever worked at before he retired, mm-hmm. was getting told by their higher ups in Colorado, like for whatever reason, there was a Colorado military base that was like the boss of my dad's military base. Okay. And they were getting told by this, uh, their bosses, like, you guys need to start implementing telehealth medicine basically you need to make sure that any appointment you got can be done you can give them the option to do it over uh skype or whatever and uh it was really complicated setup for them mm-hmm. it was like you know a lot of crap they had to jump through anytime somebody wanted to do a telehealth thing sure and most people did not choose to do it Anyway, no one was asking for it. That's the main thing my dad was like confused about. He's like, absolutely no one is asking for this. Like,
0: so why is it being mandated?
1: Why is it being mandated? And um,
0: is, are you suggesting that this was being done in preparation for COVID that this that there was a plot afoot and that they right. knew this was coming?
1: The other thing my dad told me was there were people that their jobs were like, man, I wish I could remember the department's name. But they were like public health officials, right? And my dad said those people were always just like, you know, tertiary people. They were never in charge of anything. He said to the fact that there was even like a connotation, like, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know the ins and outs of the people he'd, you know, c- have conversations with, but during some kind of a mission, these people would be the ones that would be like, okay, so you need to make sure that blah, blah, blah happens. So that way we, you know, are not exposing people to this chemical, something like that. But they would never be like in charge of anything. But for whatever reason, like less than a year before COVID broke out, those people were getting these positions, you know, new positions created for them where they were like in they were leaders instead mm. of just being science nerds that, mm. you know, were there to help you check off a checklist. And he everybody thought it was weird. Like, why is this happening? So it's like they were huh. obviously preparing.
0: Well, and now you've got the news coming from the Wall Street Journal, I guess, yesterday, where they say the Department of Energy has now concluded with low, conf- <clears throat> excuse me, low confidence that the coronavirus most likely came from an accidental lab leak in China. The agency previously said it was unsure of how the virus originated, but now you've got the other government agencies in the form of the White House coming out in downplaying what the department of energy is saying now national security council spokes bureaucrat john kirby said the u.s government and intelligence committee have not reached a definitive conclusion quote there's not a consensus right now in the u.s government about exactly how covid started he said during a white house press briefing there is just not an intelligence community consensus so what you have happening here is there was Big news, and you've seen it being passed around i'm sure on social media this this headline about you know u s Department of uh, Energy saying that coronavirus came from a lab
1: well i didn't even see a headline. I just saw people talking about it, so yeah,'s well, I know about it.
0: It was uh, The Wall Street Journal that was reporting this, and so that's been getting passed around and so of course, the White House has to go out and fact check their own government agency and say, "Whoa what we don't know." where this came from we don't know where the department of energy is coming from when they're saying this and we think that you should take that with a grain of salt because our national security council doesn't really know there's no definitive conclusion so the cover-up is already underway for this according to the report from the wall street did
1: did they check factcheck.com
0: well i don't know if it was on it's probably on factcheck.com well if the white house just
1: checked factcheck.com then they would get their answer
0: uh, I suspect the White House is running factcheck.com yeah. or has somebody uh, inside their staff. But according to the report from the Wall Street Journal, the Energy Department has joined the FBI in pinning the origin on the lab leak theory for other intelligence agencies. And the National Intelligence Council believed the route was natural transmission from animal to human. The Energy Department reportedly changed its evaluation based on... Why
1: doesn't it pass from animal to human anymore? I mean, like, I've never heard of an animal dying of COVID. Like, I remember at the beginning... Yeah, there was my- some
0: fear-mongering in the yeah. beginning. Oh, God, your I was, dogs like- and your cats. I
1: used to always take coconut with me to, like, uh, my dog to, like, Walmart and stuff. And during COVID, I was not taking him anywhere because I was afraid he was going to get COVID and die. And that doesn't happen, apparently.
0: Yeah, um, you never heard anything about that. I mean, yeah, there, yeah, yeah,
1: I never heard if, any if of them was, die.
0: Yeah, if there was any kind of death to animals, that would be on the front pages. I mean, people, people care more. never
1: is sick. He's never been sick.
0: Yeah, people care more about animals in a lot of cases than they do other human beings. So if, if dogs were dying from this, we would have heard about it. Uh, but the Energy Department changed their evaluation based on new intelligence that was shared with other agencies, which didn't alter their stances. When asked if the new intelligence will be shared with the public, the spokes said that, quote, if we have something that we believe can be reported to Congress and to the American people that we're confident in, we'll absolutely do that, he said. The State Department weighed in Monday saying that China has been blocking investigations into the origin of COVID-19 for years, asked whether there are any plans to go beyond asking for their compliance. Their bureaucrat said that regardless of what the issue is, we don't typically get ahead policy responses before they're announced publicly so yeah you can trust the federal government they'll tell you the truth about this eventually so uh you've, you know it's kind of an interesting situation here where the the energy department at the federal government has a completely opposite view of the government's head agencies at uh probably just haven't the gotten, White House.
1: uh you know talked to yet about the, what the official line is going to have to be, and then they're going to change their story.
0: Yeah. How did they not get, you know, all on the same page? That's that's really unusual to have, you know, different government agencies, the federal government In that sharing case, differing opinions.
1: Maybe it's just that they want to somehow, uh, if they're going to come out and eventually say, yep, it was a lab leak and it was a Chinese person's fault or a Chinese lab's fault, then I feel like it's just warmongering against China. Against
0: China. China. That's a good point. Let's talk to Major Payne in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major.
7: Yeah, this came from the Department of Energy. That's what they're saying. Right. Well, aren't these the same people that told us to we can't have gas stoves? Mm, maybe I so. so. Yeah. They, or they, was that they the cons- All this death through this virus. Was that the Department Where's of Energy the-
0: or the Consumer Product Safety Commission?
7: Well, I don't know, but they burned dead bodies with Natural gas. I mm. do know that. Okay. And, uh... What does that mean? Killing they're killing people and telling us we can't cook our own dead meat. Now, I, I don't know if I can make sense of any of this.
1: What do you mean that they burn people's bodies with natural gas?
7: Well, how do you think you incinerate people and cremate them? Oh. No. Huh? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. But we can't have our little ovens. They yeah. can kill all of us they want to, but we can't cook our damn turkey. Or I be able heard... to buy seeds in the spring. Or be able to go on a damn boat ride because of some fictitious freaking disease.
0: I haven't heard any updates on the gas stove uh, situation. Have you heard anything new on that?
7: Well, no, I'm just thinking about the Department of Energy and who the hell else would have banned them.
0: Hmm. It is the Consumer Product Safety Commission here. Um, just pull up a story from K10.com. It was an appointee on the CPSC. Richard Trumka told Bloomberg that the gas stoves pose a hidden hazard and they emit air pollutants. "Quote unquote." Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. So it was the CPSC uh, that's doing this, and well, they are you the-
1: know more. Uh- Regulations, bureaucrats.
0: That's what they do. They're the bu- uh, bureaucrats who ban things like the magnetic balls. Remember those little, we've got them here in the studio. You kind of play with them when you're bored in your, your office or whatever. Those little teeny little uh, sculptable magnetic balls. Those have been prohibited by the, the bureaucrats at the CPSC. So they that's what they do. They, oh, if something's not safe enough, according to them, then it can't even be allowed for sale in any way, shape, or form.
7: They probably have benefit because I know those magnetic bracelets years ago were quite popular.
0: You know what I mean? As far oh, as I know what you're talking about, the one. bracelets. Yeah, no, no, these are different. These are like these little office toys, basically.
7: Yeah, but if you're playing with these little yik yak things, rolling them around in your hand, you would probably get the same benefit as the bracelets. You're transferring energy. Hmm. Could be. Major, uh, anything else you want to share tonight? No, no, I'm just speculating on all kinds of things, bud. All right,
0: man. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, According to CPS chairman Alexander Hohensarik, quote, I'm not looking to ban gas stoves, and the CPSC has no proceeding to do so, he claimed. Rather, he said the commission is researching gas emissions in stoves, exploring new ways to address health risks, and strengthening voluntary safety standards and will this spring ask the public to quote provide us with information about gas stove emissions and potential solutions for reducing any associated risks and if it is indeed voluntary then that's fine you guys can make you guys can make your recommendations if you want to and if companies want to follow those recommendations and offer a certain type of stove that probably costs more but is allegedly safer, then that's okay with me as long as it's voluntary.
1: It's not really okay with me because these people's jobs get paid for to make these regulations by stolen money.
0: Well, that is true. Uh, I mean, certainly they shouldn't exist at all, and companies will not want to poison their own customers. So like the idea that uh, gas stove companies are somehow doing something wrong or or bad to their customers here is, is pretty absurd. But let's continue here. Let's talk to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sarah. Huh?
8: Yes, I just want to say that they wanted to um, have the artificial intelligence start monitoring the jailhouse calls now. Because um, there was a man, there was a boyfriend threatening to come out and kill the girlfriend, Monique Gonzalez, when he came out. It was it was all recorded that nobody uh, was mm. monitoring the call, and when he got released, he came out and kicked the door in and uh, knocked on the door and shot her in the face. Wow! You know, so there's a Monique Bill. So um, that's that's the point. Wait, of the, wait, hold on. The, there's a
0: Monique Bill. Are you talking about? There's a bill in named is this, after her. Is, yeah.
8: Yeah. Right. It's it's, uh, it's called a Monique Bill. Is this just um, New Mexico
0: or national?
8: I for so right now it's. It's uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do that for our state. so that Because the the calls were not screened. Because if that was the case, he was not he's threatening to something. When I come out, I'll kill you.
1: Mm-hmm. Did she report it to the, anyone? The, huh? Did she report it to anyone? I, I do not know about it. It doesn't sound I, like I do it. Not, but,
8: yeah, I, I don't know what happened. And then he got released and he went and killed her. But Damn. it was the, they want the computer to do the screening. Hmm. But the, the, it, can it um, like sense the trigger words uh, like "I'll mm-hmm. kill you" um,
3: or yeah.
1: I'll, "I'm going to come and hurt you" or something. That you're you're with the AI, right?
3: Yeah, they could do
0: that. So, the AI could certainly do that. It could easily be done.
1: It just sounds like a horrible idea. Now everyone's going to be talking to their prisoner family and friends on the phone. It's going to hang up on them every five seconds because they said happen, something that yeah. rhymes with "kill." Uh, or I'll, I'm going to...
0: There's definitely going to be po- false positives that will occur with this with this situation where somebody will you know use the term bomb or or whatever and, and not in a negative fashion. Oh I man, something but,
1: happened today that was the bomb.
0: Right, and then click, <laughs> and now you're banned, and now you got to call Water. the warden and you know appeal the the decision, but. Yeah, that's not a surprise uh, to to hear about Sarah. Certainly, you're going to see more automation of things like this as jail staffs uh, don't have enough people probably to review all calls live. So that's probably what was going on
8: there.
5: Yeah, but
8: I I, I'm just kind of wondering why? How come? But I think it's a I think it's a helpful bill. They need to do something like that, you know. But I know that when when you have a domestic violence, that when the when they're going to be released, they do notify the person. Mm-hmm. So-and-so going to be released after one week, you No, know, you know, hide out before they come and see you or be make sure you're in a safe place. I, I mean, this lady was I calling
1: had, him. She probably couldn't have been helped. Well, no, 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 you can't helped. call
0: into jail, so he was calling her.
1: Oh.
8: Right, right. He was calling her. So Which means she was means talking, she was him. talking was to him. Yeah, she so was talking to him.
1: Weird. I don't know. I just think this pro- probably wouldn't have been helped if, oh, somebody listened to the call. I mean, like I was saying earlier, there's plenty of times when the police know there are credible threats and they ignore it.
0: That's a good point. I mean, the odds that the police would have been able to do anything for this lady are near to zero, right? They're not going to refuse to let him out, I presume, just because he said something on the phone, although maybe there is a crime there. I don't know. Is it criminal threatening or something like that? I'm not sure. But, uh, and then
8: he then the problem that the, when they threaten people I'll kill you I'll kill you when I come out I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna what well, they do it that's the problem like mm-hmm. in this case he did really get killed
0: yeah no it's, so, I, I don't but, know maybe that oh, yeah, is a crime I mean, uh to, to threaten somebody like that so in theory that could have kept him in like if they'd heard that call, Prior to him being but most released. people aren't
1: that stupid. I mean, how many people is this going to catch saying, I will kill you <laughs> on a jail phone? I mean, he must have already been really stupid. And no, she was obviously that. not that smart either. I mean, I know that this guy said he's going to kill me, and I'm just going to stay in the place that he knows where I live.
0: Mm, and not have a gun or something like that. I don't right. know. We don't know all the details in the case here, uh, Sarah, and it doesn't sound like you do either. Thank you for the call tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603 603-283- 283 six one six zero and i don't think you need a bill for this anyway like you don't need a government action to do this you could just simply you know if the jail wants to implement a yeah. more restrictive phone policy or secure us or whichever the company you know there's only like two companies that serve most of the jails in the united states with phone services if the jails want this uh service they could just simply say hey we want we want some sort of AI monitoring and Securus makes ton of tons of money on these calls, so it's not like they couldn't afford to implement something like this. It doesn't need it doesn't need to be mandated, I guess. Uh, so let's talk about something a little more positive here tonight. We've uh, we've certainly covered the COVID nonsense, the WHO going to be shoving more uh, health regulations down countries' throats. The way it's looking, but something a little bit more positive. I've been holding on to this one, Bonnie. I think that you will appreciate it. Uh, from studyfinds.org, which usually has interesting studies that have been released. Uh, from Ireland, people often say we can't control everything that happens in life, but we can control how we react to it. It may sound like a cliche, but new findings out of Ireland show that perspective matters when life throws us unexpected and stressful curveballs. Researchers say gratitude offers a unique stress-buffering effect when it comes to both reacting to and recovering from acute psychological stress. Study authors add that adopting a more thankful worldview can even promote better cardiovascular health. So here's the shocker. It's gratitude actually helps your health, actually feeling grateful for things in your life, even when things are going wrong. Finding something to be grateful for can shift your perspective into being more positive and that ultimately will result in better physical health for your body. Yeah,
1: I mean, we know that stress is just proven to cause physical illness Mm -hmm. and uh, even death. I mean, people get stressed out enough to die, you know, heart attacks and stuff.
0: Stress is mentioned in the next sentence, actually. So,
1: you know, like if you're in a stressful situation and you choose not to sit and worry and, you know, ruminate in it and just be grateful for what you do have or the things are going right, what else can go right?
0: Oh, yeah, I like that line. That's something the captain uh, is, I think he, I don't know if he coined it, but he certainly said he heard it it from
1: a manager and it's really nice.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Meaning that when something goes right for you, you can ask what else can go right and maybe more things will start
1: going right. What else Uh, can go right? Yeah.
0: So, while stress is an unavoidable aspect of life, studies continue to show that too much stress can have a detrimental impact on both health and well-being. More specifically, excess stress can lead to high blood pressure, increasing cardiovascular morbidity, and coronary heart disease risk. We all know that stress is a killer. With all that in mind, study authors from the Universities of Maynooth and Limerick again, this is Ireland, set out to better understand how reactions to stressful events impact our future health, as well as if there are any factors that can play key stress-buffering roles. The research team suggests that while prior research has shown that gratitude and affect balance, which is a balance of positive to negative emotions, play key stress-buffering roles, up till now there's been woefully few studies examining the impact of these variables on health, like your cardiovascular recovery from psychological stress. We'll talk more about it coming up here and how you can find things to be grateful for even when you're under stress. It's Free Talk Live. We've got time for you if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the power of gratitude. There's a study, according to StudyFinds.org, that has uh, taken place in, I think it was uh, Ireland. Yep. Yep. Maynooth, Ireland. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. But uh, they're looking at uh, people and how they respond under stress and how gratitude can help reduce the negative effects of that stress. If you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here, 603-283-6160. But before we go on, I do want to say thank you to Free Talk Live listeners uh, who have become supporters of our AMPS program. You can go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. And you can become a supporter of our show. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. People like Anthony Mitchellbrink, who is a Free Talk Live Platinum-level uh supporter of the amps program platinum means he's doing at least 25 bucks a month so thank you anthony for that definitely appreciate it and we only ask for five so he's doing at least five times what we're asking so thank you for that um level of support but we only ask for five bucks and if you can help us with that if you appreciate the uh, message of peace and liberty and freedom and crypto and the stuff that we talk about regularly here on free talk live the open phones aspect of the show that we're on seven nights a week uh, please, you can support our mission directly over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's A-M-P-S You get some perks, get some benefits, like access to the AMP-only podcast uh, and more. Just learn about it and get signed up at amps.freetalklive.com. So the research, according to studyfinds.org, took place at Maynooth University and encompassed 68 undergrad students, 24 men, 44 women, between the ages of 18 and 57. The experiment featured lab tasks which induced stress among the participants, while researchers measured cardiovascular reactivity and recovery in response to the stress. The ensuing results reveal that a state of gratitude predicts lower systolic blood pressure responses throughout the stress testing period. This means, study authors say, that gratitude promotes a unique stress-buffering effect on both reactions to and recovery from acute psychological stress. The team also found that effect balance amplifies the effects of grateful feelings. And what was
1: effect balance again?
0: Yeah, they described effect balance as being the balance of positive to negative emotions. So presumably the more positive emotions you feel, the better gratitude works for you. I think that's what they're saying here.
1: Or at least just having a balance where you're not... All in the sky all the time, or all, you know, negative and depressed all the time.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to really say. It's just this is just an overview of what this study says. In conclusion, study authors believe these findings hold clinical usefulness. Uh, usefulness. There are numerous low cost gratitude interventions that can help promote well being, improve well being. For instance, one earlier study. Found cardiac patients who make the use of gratitude journals.
1: That's what I thought of first. I wasn't sure if they're going to bring that up.
0: Have better cardiovascular outcomes than those who do not. That's just so simple
1: and so nice.
0: What is a gratitude journal?
1: It's just having a journal. It could be on your phone or anything where every day you write down like three things you were grateful for that day. It Mm -hmm. shifts your perspective. You have to think back through the day and think about what you were grateful for instead of, you know. Most all time, the crappy things that Yeah, happen. just, oh, this happened today, this happened. Even on a crappy day, you can sit there and write down the, your three things, and you're going to find three things you are grateful for. Even if some of the things are on your list every single day, it's just good to focus on that. Like, I'm grateful I have my dog coconut and you write that every single day, because you can't think of three, it's still better to focus on that than focus on all the bad stuff that happened.
0: Now, this particular study was done on a relatively small sample size. It was only 68. Undergraduate students between the ages of 18 and 57, but still they found what they found. Uh, And then they linked to when they mentioned the low cost gratitude interventions, actually linked to a different study, which was a survey of 2000 Americans examining the potential connection between being thankful and contentment in life revealed that 65 percent of respondents who say they're very happy on a daily basis are also more likely to always give thanks Right? So if you are thankful for the things, which is another way of saying you're expressing gratitude, right? if you're thankful for the good things in your life, then you may be more likely to be a happier person over time. While looking at the correlation between life satisfaction and gratitude, a third of respondents say they regularly make sure to express gratitude in their everyday lives. Of those, 62% note, they feel very satisfied with their lives. So there's there's different ways that you can express gratitude, right? Like you can do what you're talking about with a gratitude journal where you're focusing kind of within and you're reminiscing about your or looking back on your, your recent past and finding things to be grateful for, focusing on the positive things that have happened in your life. And then there's the sort of outward expression of gratitude, right? Instead of just putting it in a journal, you can tell someone, that you're grateful for them or, you know, for what they did for you or for something that happened that involved them or whatever. Just saying that you appreciate that person or their efforts, whether it's at the workplace or whether it's a family member or a next door neighbor or something like that. Just a, a kind word can really lift somebody out of a slump, right? Like it, it may be, it may seem so, you know, almost pointless right like oh it's just a thank you but it can mean a lot to somebody especially if that person's been having a crappy day
1: yeah that's why I, anytime I think like a good or like a compliment towards a woman I try to give it to them mm-hmm. because it's like a lot of the times you might think oh they'll think I'm weird if I say they're pretty but most of the time they react to it really well
0: yeah I mean most people well I mean so I guess some people can't take a compliment very well but I think you're right probably most people are Uh, appreciate something nice being said.
1: And even if they feel awkward replying in that moment, I'm sure that they, you know, are happy that someone complimented them.
0: Conducted by one poll and commissioned by Motivocity, the study also found that on average, respondents believe that they express gratitude to others just six times per month. And they say they also receive the same amount of appreciation back. Regionally, residents in the Southwest are more likely to express gratitude than anyone else in the country. 75% just barely beating respondents in the Northeast at 74% and Midwest 73%. And so it goes on there. Respondents also agree there are uh, proper ways to respond to being thanked. Smiling 44% saying you're welcome. Both ranked as the most common nonverbal and verbal responses. Although the latter ranks, uh, ranks somehow ranks second to my pleasure in terms of politeness Lower down on the list, only one in four tend to say it's nothing. In fact, 32% called the phrase rude.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't say somebody was rude if I said thank you and they said it's nothing. I wouldn't think it was rude. Uh,
0: Sadly, 12% say they don't reply with anything at all. Interestingly, only 69% of the overall panel agree it's rude not to thank someone when they do something kind for you in passing. That's just more than the number of people who think it's rude to stay silent when somebody sneezes. Regardless, mm-hmm. 42% of Sometimes all Sometimes
1: I feel that I'm overdoing it at a restaurant where every time the waiter hands me anything, I say thank you. But it's just my natural response. Like anytime they hand me a, a water, anytime they give me a straw, I say thank you. I, I do too. I, do you think the same thing? Like am I overdoing it?
0: I never think that I'm overdoing it. Uh, in fact, I'll even say it when they bring something for someone who's not me. Hmm. I'll say thank you to the person because right. I don't know if the other person's going to do it. Now, maybe I'm cutting their opportunity or whatever to say it, but they could also say thank you, too. Yeah. You but, know, if they
1: well, wanted. I really thought about it the other day when we went to omakase, which is mm-hmm. sushi, where the, sushi uh, where the chef in the back chooses the sushi and hands it to you. That's right. Over yeah. like an hour and a half. And tells you what it is. Well, I was wondering if I was annoying him saying thank you every time he handed me a thing because they handed you you things. I was
0: doing it as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they hand you things so many times during that dinner more than yeah, like a that's normal true. It's dinner. More than
0: average. So I guess I guess you're right. It did. I don't know if I thought. Well, am I bothering him or whatever? Because I can't see why it would be a bother to someone. I mean, I think I think most people would rather be thanked than not thanked. So. Yeah. I, I certainly didn't stop saying thank you in in that circumstance. And even though you were it's like it was doubling it up because you were saying thank you and then I would say thank you cuz he would give you the piece of sushi and then <laughs> right after that he would give me the same thing. Right. And uh and I would say also say thank you for it. So I, I think it's like you said it's just a it's just a good habit to get into. Uh let's see here. Uh what I else
1: think my food for nourishing me that's like one of those prayer. internal ones, yeah,
0: right? So that's the difference between an external and internal gratitude, right? So internal gratitude is kind of like a prayer. You're, uh, you're thanking whatever it is, the universe or that individual for providing things for you.
1: It seems more logical to me to talk to the food and say, food, I want you to go in and nourish my body and my cells, and thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, water.
0: Absolutely. Can't hurt. 42 uh, percent of respondents believe a spoken thank you goes a long way since that's the form of gratitude they prefer to receive the most that's followed by a written thank you note at 21 percent and physical rewards like gifts at only 17 percent there's a dramatic correlation between gratitude and happiness says the vice president of marketing at motivosity in a statement this is the company i guess that uh that created this particular survey when people are proactive about being grateful it rewires their brain to look for positives instead of the negatives around them previous studies and these survey results tell us that if you want to experience an increase in life satisfaction just express gratitude more often and this i think is where your idea of the gratitude journal can really come in
1: like to rewire your brain
0: well, but to get onto it on a uh, a habit, to create a habit out of it, because it could be easy to think, you know, to hear us having this conversation and say, oh, yeah, I'll be more grateful. And then like the next day you have a crappy day or whatever, and you just totally forget. forget about you know?
1: it. Yeah. I, I haven't even had a, a gratitude journal in like over a year, but I had one not too long ago. And I don't even remember. I mean, it's not like I made a decision to stop using it. I just forgot.
0: Hmm. Where, did, it, did you put it away or something like that? Because you got to have something like that out. It was in know? my phone oh okay I, I, so I mean it was I'm a sure paper. it's still back there I figured it was like a paper journal it's like to me if it's out of sight it's out of mind I've got well, a, things
1: can be out of sight out of mind in your phone too
0: that's what I mean yeah it's, it's harder to find something on the phone whereas if you have like a journal next to your bed or something like that it's much more likely you're gonna to see it or add it to your calendar and just make it part of your daily routine and just, that way you're more likely to be reminded that you have a digital version of something like that, but let's go to the phones here. Joe is in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe.
9: Yeah, how you doing, Bonnie Parker? How you doing, Ant? Hey.
3: What's As up, always,
9: Joe? You're both in my prayers, and like I tell the folks, they ought to be thankful for your show because uh, you talk about freedoms, and they allow themselves to be um, led led like sheep. Show. Excuse me, I got something in my throat. Yeah. Uh, now, when you talk about the WHO, talking about uh, all these uh, things that we should have to do this with the health wise stuff. With the remember, what stuff? The they, WHO?
1: The World Health the Organization? Health-wise,
9: yeah, the oh, WHO. Okay. The WHO and the uh, WEF, the World Economic Foundation, all that kind of stuff, where yeah. they say, well, you got to do this, you do that, it's for the betterment. If you remember when that Coronavirus
7: first came out, they lied to us about everything. Sure, now, they're still lying. Does everybody forget about that? No, I think more people first are coming said, to understand this
0: and
9: all these things. And
1: oh, I it can stay on surfaces for two weeks.
9: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot would, more people are coming you, to understand guys, the, all the t- natural things you could do to, you know, stop from getting sick. You know, to prevent yourself from getting sick. If you were sick, the stuff to take that would make you better and stuff like that.
1: And our th- neighbor and never got they, the they coronavirus. Were... And guess what he does? He eats like the the cleanest diet I've ever seen a human being eat. And he goes outside every single day and sits in sun and goes on runs and walks and skateboards. He never got it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what yeah. Ron Paul recommended: was go out and get some sun when they're trying to tell you to stay inside and weaken your immune system. He says, I
1: highly doubt that the name I'm talking about, wore a mask the whole time.
0: I sure as hell didn't.
9: Yeah, the the sun, uh, that uh, stimulates like hormones, like vitamin D3 hormone, which is used Mm -hmm. for uh, uh, your immune system and things like that, melatonin. Uh, Also, it uh, does kill uh, certain uh, virals and bacterials and things like that. And you don't have to stay out in the sun for two hours. Usually the best time to go out in the sun is uh, at 10 a.m., stay out there for 20 minutes and a half hour. But if you live uh, north of uh, Los Angeles, uh, you don't get enough rays of the sun to, you know, really super affect your life. That's why I always took supplements and stuff. Remember, during the height of the coronavirus, I was at a rehab. You know, doing rehab for my back and legs for the accident. Hmm. And uh, I didn't take any of their crap they gave me. And uh, I would give them a lecture of why I didn't have to take uh, the uh, uh, vaccination shots and things like that. Uh, hmm. The medical staff kind of hated me. And when they asked me, well, where did you get your medical degree from? I used to tell them, I got like, from Gallifrey. And you should have seen the look in their face. <laughs>
1: you got it from what?
9: Gallifrey. I don't the know. What that is. Doctor Who. oh Oh, okay yeah my Uh, mom was
1: telling me the other day about how when her last baby was born uh, she showed me a picture of him and it looked like he had the antibiotics in his eyes that they put in newborn babies eyes when they're born just in case the mom had chlamydia and it's like you can just tell them not to i mean like it's hard but if you tell them like no i'm refusing the crap in the baby's eyes i don't have chlamydia they'll get mad at you but anyways I said, oh, no, why did you let them put that crap in his eyes? And my mom said that was the only thing uh, they got past me. But I wouldn't let them give him any vaccinations or, or anything else. And a doctor came into her room that her, my dad and the baby were in and leaned against the wall and just glared at them for several minutes. And they just ignored him till he walked away. Like these people are psychopaths. They, you know, I went to a medical school. I know everything there is to know about anything.
0: Well, the social pressure that was people were being subjected to under COVID, it was just—I had never seen anything like it. I mean, I can't. We, you and I, we tried to go to the the local hospital at one point. Yeah, uh, Bonnie, oh, there yeah. was uh, some issue that we're having, and uh, they wouldn't let us in if we didn't put masks on. I, it didn't matter that I told them that we're medically exempt. I've got a note from a doctor. They're like, nope, you can't come in here. You don't get any uh, medical services from us. Uh, the walk-in clinic had the same view. We we actually called around, ended up fixing itself. The problem did, thankfully. But uh, but we, we called around, and we would have had to have gone to a hospital all the way in Manchester in order to find that one was willing to actually take patients that weren't willing to uh, to put masks on so the pressure was extreme and that's all gonna come back the next time some you know some other thing comes up Joe you've mentioned to us before that you are uh, essentially you're in a hospital bed at all times is that still the case
9: yeah but uh I, I, I always uh you know do the exercises that I can mm-hmm. and uh I've been using a tennis machine and uh I've gotten a little bit of a uh, feeling in my uh, right foot.
0: I-, I wanted to ask you, as somebody who is in that position in life, uh, are you able to find things that you're grateful for regardless?
9: Man, hey, every time I call your show, I say, uh, everybody should be grateful for your show because you talk about freedom and not having them be like sheep. you you, you got to have a positive attitude. This is not going to stop me. Uh, I-, I-, I pray, and I tell you that all the time. I pray for you guys on the show. I pray for other people. I even pray for Sarah, Mrs. Kravitz.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I figured figured
9: you would
7: have a
0: positive response to that. I just wanted to see what uh, what you would say.
7: You know what? You can't be miserable.
9: Now, if I was a bit worse, I might be miserable. But Mm -hmm. I I am not going to let these doctors tell me, because they told me, look, you can't have your joints replaced because your shoulders and knees are... So weak, you couldn't do the physical therapy. So my idea is, um, you know, researching the proper nutrients to, uh, you know, repair the body and things like that, which I already know about and stuff. And I take them when I can afford them. And uh, I'm just going to show them that, no, I I will be walking within the year.
0: That's a good attitude to have. It's a great attitude.
1: I mean, if somebody just uh, agrees with their doctor and doesn't put any effort towards it, of course the doctor is going to be proved right.
0: Yeah, it's really all about what you believe. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the call right, here tonight, man. appreciate you. Uh, let's go on to this caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What is your name?
6: Uh, yes, this is Jim calling from Daytona Beach. Jim,
0: you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight?
6: Uh, Yeah, so I want to talk about this Energy Department uh, press announcement that now it is agreed on, the government agrees that the Uh, the leak from the lab was the source of COVID-19.
0: Yeah, that's what the energy department's saying, but the uh, other branches are now trying to run out and say, oh, no, 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 we didn't say that, and we don't agree with them, so they certainly aren't agreeing per se, but it is interesting. Right,
6: but here's here's my question. I ended up losing my YouTube channel um, after having a YouTube channel for, I believe, 14 years. I had like... Eight million views, um, which is not a lot, of, as much as other people, but it was mostly from strikes, not coming out and saying that it was a leak, but mm-hmm. that questioning could it have been a leak? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. And and I, Did they strike you for
0: medical is, misinformation?
6: Right, medical mm-hmm. misinformation. So now, what do what can be done to go back and for them? to have to give us our channels back and maybe even owe us money for basically publicly saying we were doing something wrong or saying something wrong that actually turned out to be right and they were the ones that Mm -hmm. were wrong. So, you know, what what consequences are there for the censors and where do we go to get our good name back and our channels turned back on?
0: That's an excellent question. I mean, you know, YouTube, Google is such a huge corporation. It's not like you can just get a customer service agent on the
5: line And or convince them like that you
1: were right. They'll probably just say, Look, from what we knew at the time, that's what we had, that was our policy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think the best strategy is just to use Odyssey instead of YouTube, you yeah. know, mitigate yeah, your losses.
0: Are you posting somewhere else your
6: videos? Oh yeah, yeah. I've been I've been posting a lot to Rumble, but okay. I was just thinking that there's some of these new laws that I, I I don't think most people know that, like in Florida, there's some new laws, and I have to research where you you have the right now to actually, like, take, take them to small claims court and get large amounts of money uh, for, you know, these kinds of things. And um, it, it, it almost seems like there needs to be a movement, at least of educating people, like what their rights are. Uh, you know, if some smart lawyer did a class action lawsuit for everybody that had strikes that were unjustified and channels that were removed and did sort of a financial, uh, you know, a a calculation to see, okay, what are the financial damages to someone who built a channel for 10 years and got it taken away for wrong, you know, for the wrong reasons Mm. based on incorrect information, you know, what kind of big giant class action lawsuit could be put together.
0: Well, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from and I, I get why it's frustrating to have built a thing and then to have the carpet pulled right out from underneath you. And I, I can see why that would make somebody angry and why that they, they would want to talk to an attorney and possibly bring a suit. And you are correct that Florida and Texas both have certain laws in place that target social media companies i think maybe also youtube i'm not uh, like like you said i'm also not 100% clear on uh what the specifications of it are but they do guarantee some level of service uh to people based on or not based on their opinions like that they have to continue with accounts so you may be onto something from from a legal perspective yeah t- texas nationalist movement is suing facebook because facebook took their Uh, a countdown Hmm. because facebook claimed that texas nationalist movement was doing something illegal was advocating for something illegal which was Hmm. secession and so tnm sued and said no this isn't illegal and you know we're going to prove this in court so it's kind of interesting to see that happen but at the same time as uh, at least from my perspective as a libertarian even though there may be a law that authorizes that uh, personally, I wouldn't join in with it just because I'm not somebody who believes that I should be able to control somebody else's
1: Yeah, I don't want to see, like, Odyssey getting, uh, I don't, not that, I think Odyssey would take people down for this, but if Odyssey for some reason decided they want to take somebody down for whatever reason, I don't want to see Odyssey getting sued in the future just put it in perspective like
0: why yeah, anything would- that they can use against a company that you don't like can be used against a company that you do like by your political enemies basically so uh, i wish we had more time to talk to you about this feel free to call in tomorrow uh and we can dig into this deeper because it's an important topic and we're out of time for tonight if you didn't get on well we got time for you just call a little earlier in the show we'll be back tomorrow you can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com Some of you have wanted to support FreeTalk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but FreeTalk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable Members Only Chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon, and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.